0: So, it becomes like, well, now I just wait. (laughs) Anyway. (sighs) Yeah, it's fucking annoying. I just, look, there's a lot to talk about as far as how we've reached this point of like, I want everything now, now, now. But by the same token, I don't fucking care. This is where we're at. Give me what I want now, now, now. anyway yeah
1: all right let's do the show
0: yeah uh hello and welcome to the watcher's guide to the marvel universe the show that us answers the question uh what if the pig's head from nancy pelosi's driveway had a podcast
1: i am max i'm barely awake and i co- only
0: have a cursory understanding of that joke. <laughs> <laughs> And I am Jr. I don't even really know what that means. I just thought it sounded funny. Uh, <laughs> it does that, so it sounds Whatever. potentially
1: demonic. And especially since I was uh, comparing a show I was watching last night to Lord of the Flies, uh, yeah. with pigs' heads and full circle. <laughs> right? Yeah.
0: Uh, <laughs> sure. How's it going? That? Uh, it is fine. How is it going by you?
1: <clears throat> also fine. Uh, my back hurts because it snowed yesterday and I had to shovel it. Fun. No one made me.
0: Right. I
1: made myself. Because otherwise right. I would have felt lazy and useless. And, uh, I wanted my girlfriend to have at least a clear path
0: to the car. Right. Well, that's that's quite nice of you. I have... Since we moved into this house, I have not been able to shovel snow because my back has been shitty. Uh, I don't know if I will be able to going forward. That is that is left to the capriciousness of fate, I guess. Um, <laughs> also, doesn't your driveway go down? Yeah, it fucking blows. <laughs> um, what What really sucks is our house... Yeah, the, the driveway is like there's a top part and then it goes down to where the garage is, uh, where there's like a, a sort of island of. Um, yeah, like a slab of. Yeah. Right, and then the garage door is off of that. So basically what we can do is with our two cars, when all, all things being equal, we can pull one car into the garage and have the other further over on the slab, and blah. But, when it snows or is icy, we cannot get out of the driveway. No. And then, our house is at the, uh, the, the valley of two small hills. They're not huge, but it just means that when it's shitty, we have a very hard time getting <laughs> in or out. So,
1: yeah. Yeah, but you could block your own driveway, who gives a shit? Like I'm thinking, you well, know, right. parking on the street. If somebody's like, if everybody in your block is parking on the street, then you park in front of your own driveway. Who cares? It's your driveway.
0: Um, right. Yeah. And I don't know. You know just what nice. I'll what I'll usually do is, you know, when we when we think there will be shitty weather, we will park like one car at the top of the driveway and one on the street or something like that. Right. Or both. Our driveway is just wide enough that we can kind of fit both cars. (laughs) Um, And so we'll do that. Anyway. Snow. Uh, (laughs) Um, Yeah. Welcome to Missouri. Uh, I mean, I guess we can't complain too much given that it's been a pretty mild... It's been an exceptionally mild winter. um, Which... Climate yeah,
1: change. We're gonna get maybe one more of these, maybe,
0: probably. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So, uh, other than that, yeah. Like I told you, I've just been watching a ton of Doctor Who, and I. It's always interesting to rewatch things because I, and this go, this goes into some news. Um, I am always willing to be proven wrong when it comes to media, books, movies, TV shows, comics, whatever. I am willing to revisit things that I didn't like and reassess them later. Uh, I've done this with Grant Morrison. I've done the the first time I saw What We Do in the Shadows. My expectations were such that I didn't like it. Um, but then I watched it again and I'm like, I don't know what I was thinking. This is fucking amazing. Um, and so, yeah, uh, Doctor Who has been interesting because I watched, you know, the Christopher Eccleston and David Tennant stuff. Like when the show came back in 2005, I started watching it piecemeal Uh, Because I knew a lot of people online who liked Doctor Who. And I'm like, this is an opportunity to check it out, so I might as well. Um, And so I watched some Christopher Eccleston Eccleston stuff. And then I just kind of dropped off because finding it at that point in time was really difficult. So I had to basically pirate copies from the UK. Um, But then I went back later and watched... um, All of that again, plus the David Tennant stuff. And then I went back with Casey after I got into it and watched it um, through with her and then started watching the Matt Smith and the blah, blah, blah. And it's interesting to go back and look at like the David Tennant stuff, because like the first time I watched it, I hated Donna Noble. She was so annoying, but I really like her now. Um I honestly, I feel like her arc is one of the more interesting ones from that period in terms of companions. Um, so you know,
1: yeah, yeah. It, it's always good to be. I mean, I don't know the first uh, the first thing that comes to mind as far as like rewatching it again and to be proven and being like, oh wait, now I have different context and this is rad. Um, yeah. is uh, Speed Racer. Speed, yeah. Race, Speed Racer, I thought it was fucking stupid and I hated it the first time I watched it. And then I went back and looked at it again with, like... Well, a, a couple of things had obviously changed in between when it was released and when I watched it the second time. And mm-hmm. uh, knowing those things, and you look at it again, you go, oh, also... yeah. They were just making a fun-ass movie. Like, there's some of yeah. that context stuff, too, for sure. But, right. like, if you're just like... And then they just wanted to make a big, dumb, fun movie that's really colorful and s- spinning fucking cars. Like,
0: yeah, go for it. It's uh, Speed Racer was one that, when I first saw it, which was not long after it came out, I don't think I saw it in the theater, but I rented it. Yeah. Um I remember I wasn't super impressed with a lot of the story and I have not revisited it since. I know it's gotten a cri- a critical reappraisal in the last few years. I have not revisited it uh for the story. I remember at the time thinking, you know, this is just a live action cartoon. Right. They they took They took a cartoon about colorful characters in cars and made a live action version of that, which is just weird and colorful and fun to watch. Even if even if you don't care about any of what's actually happening, it's fun to watch. Right. And uh, so, yeah, it's a very it's a very it's a very interesting movie. Well, um, I think it just comes down to, context, like, but...
1: expectations at the time were they had just made one and a half fantastic sci-fi movies, mm-hmm. and say what you will, Relo- Reloaded only fails because Revolutions is bad, um, which, that's a whole other argument, we're, this is not a Matrix podcast, um... But, like, so they'd just done that, so that the fact that they were doing a Speed Racer movie, we, all of the expectations were, like, well, this has, A, this has to be good to save their careers, which wasn't true. And, B, like, this will be awesome because they get to do whatever they want again, and clearly, you know, Reloaded and Revolutions had so many other problems, um, outside problems and they get to do whatever they want with this and then you wander into Speed Racer with those kind of preconceptions and you go, this isn't what I thought it was going to be your right. brain automatically starts doing things and then you don't like it yeah but like, if you give it a minute, like I say or five years and go back and watch it again you're like, go- oh oh not only is this yeah. good, it's fun so, yeah
0: yeah, <sighs> Yeah, definitely uh so speaking of reassessing things and being willing willing to be proven wrong Bran one more day haha uh-huh. Now <laughs> I I have long been of a mind that while Bran knew one more day and the immediately the immediate follow up to it were crap. I am glad that it happened because a lot of what followed would not have happened had it not been for One More Day. Um, I hate One More Day. I hate. I hate. uh, I hate this insistence in comics that characters have to remain static. Um, and, and that's, that is, that leads to so many problems in ongoing superhero comics is we always have to restore the status quo at some point, you know? And One More Day is, I've talked about how so many of the problems with Spider-Man over the years come down to the fact that you had younger readers who grew up and became the people in charge, and the, all they wanted was the Spider-Man they had when they were a kid. Regardless of where Spider-Man was now, they were just like, this doesn't work for me, let's get him back to where he was. Right. So we have things like the Clone Saga. We have things like Mary Jane dying in a plane crash. Oh, no, wait, she didn't. Uh, and then, of course, ultimately, one more day. Um right. That has now been retconned. Spoilers for uh, one more day, or spoilers for current Spider-Man continuity coming. So skip ahead a few minutes if you don't want to hear. The short version is this. <clears throat> When one more day happened, Mary Jane, You know they were trying to save Aunt May, even though she had a rich, full life. Let her die. Um, yeah, but uh, you know, Spider Man makes a deal with the devil to give up his marriage in exchange for saving Aunt May. Um, this then, so Mephisto is like, I'm taking your marriage part of you will always remember um when this happens Mary Jane leans in and whispers something to Mephisto um then Spider-Man wakes up and everything's different he and Mary Jane had dated but never got married Harry hadn't died uh blah 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 right flash forward to the current storyline there is a new villain called Kindred who has a very odd fixation on Spider-Man in that he clearly hates him and wants him to suffer but also he's quite obviously very close to him um, and is concerned about the people in Peter's life. Uh, it turns out that Kindred is the dead Harry Osborne. When Harry Osborne went crazy, became the Green Goblin, and eventually died, he went to hell. This is that Harry brought back to life. He hates. Peter for failing to save him and for effectively ruining his life um, Peter of course doesn't remember that he remembers that Harry went off the rails but he was able to save him so when the, when this reveal occurs Peter's just like I don't know what the fuck your problem is um, so Kindred is absolutely wailing on uh Peter and you know Peter just doesn't know uh at which point Mary Jane interjects and she's like he doesn't remember this is the big reveal which is that now Mary Mary Jane's known the whole time (laughs) Mary Jane's known the whole time At one point they did a storyline where they revealed what Mary Jane had whispered to Mephisto. That doesn't matter. The thing that they revealed there wasn't what she said. What she said was, I want to remember everything. So this completely recontextualizes everything Mary Jane has done. Every interaction she has had with Peter... Since One More Day. That seems bad. (laughs) I don't know. It's... I... So I'm a bit behind on Spider-Man. Sure. But like looking at the stuff I've read, it's really interesting to look at everything that has happened with Mary Jane knowing that this entire time she knows she remembers that they were married she remembers that they nearly had a kid she remembers why things are the way they are but she never said a goddamn word right and so on and so forth so i don't know it's it's interesting and the story's not over so you know There's always the possibility that it'll shit the bed. But I do think that is an interesting redefinition of the last 13 years. Right. You know, we'll
1: see. Um, Well, I mean, it's... So they seem to be doing a lot of this lately. Because if you... Because this is the second time that we've taken fairly major character and be like they've known the truth the truth of the retcon or whatever we're doing for a long long time because that's basically what moira was doing too right her McT- mctaggart being like her what her mutant power actually was and that she was a mutant and that she was the one controlling all the stuff like right. for
0: 35 years um yeah. It's interesting that well and that like Magneto 45. and Professor Xavier were in on it. Right. And Sinister <clears throat> and, like and all of this. And you look at it, it's just interesting that that's what
1: this seems like the second time we've been doing that is like one or two characters in a major timeline has understood the real goings on and that if you but in, in such a way that if you actually look at what they're doing you go. Well, that means that I have to look at everything you've done for the last X number of years, and
2: yeah.
1: how it's weird now. Maybe good, maybe bad, but like it definitely makes it. You're definitely a different person than I thought you were. Um, to be able yeah. to do that, um, yeah. Huh. That's so. Sp- okay Mary Jane knows uh weird it would definitely make me look back at all of it and be like I don't know it's easy to throw your hands up in the air both ways and be like fuck it this sucks I'm out or also I don't fucking care you do this shit all the time but I think the harder road is to do what you're doing which is to look try and look back at everything else and be like okay what does that actually mean now like what does that that conversation that they had five years ago because the dan slot stuff where superior spider-man happened after one more day right yeah okay yeah so like any of her involvement with him after that's all fucked up and
0: weird now yeah i don't know yeah cool i don't know there's there's something to be said that a lot of their interactions become more heartbreaking absolutely um, but also i don't know there's a there's a lot of ways to look at it and i'm not sure where i come down on it but it is an interesting wrinkle and i'm curious to go back and sort of reassess a lot of that you know what i mean Yeah, and it'll Um,
1: it'll also a lot of it'll break on her when when we get to the inevitable, like what her justification was for not only doing it in the first place, because that's the hardest. That's the harder choice. Being like, I want to remember everything when you know the other person isn't going to know anything. That's the harder choice. It would be much easier to just be like, "Yep, strip me, strip mine me too," because I don't want to know about this. Um, but with like what was what was a reasoning and the justification from for keeping it from him too. Once yeah. once you get those answers from Mary Jane, that'll help it or hurt it. That'll be I think the breaking from a, point.
0: I think from a character standpoint. I think the... Because Mary Jane has changed so much over the years because of her relationship with Peter. Right. The character's gone through so much growth. I can see saying, I don't want to be the person I was before. Sure. I don't want to lose all that growth. And the only way to keep that growth is to remember everything that happened. I don't know. Again, I'm behind, so I, I can't, I can't speak to a lot of this simply because I haven't read it yet, but I don't know. It's, it's interesting and I think it's going to depend on, you know, where, where we go from here. So X-Men, uh, the X-Men, the X-Men. We just wrapped up X uh, of Swords. A lot of people really seem to enjoy it. I was ambivalent about a lot of it. Um, there was one real highlight for me, and that was Storm, uh, because there is a there is a a scene in it wherein. X of Swords deals, deals with a, a contest between the X-Men of Krakoa and the descendants of Apocalypse who have been living in the other half of Krakoa, which is Arako, which got taken into another dimension, and everyone who lived there, all of those mutants became, like, hardened And had to, like, make war just to survive. Which is all fine and good. Whatever. Um, The... The... The thing that I really liked was that in the lead-up to Storm's match-up against this guy who was sort of the first Horseman of Death... Uh, she is given, she, one of the contests is a drinking contest between Storm and Wolverine. And whatever it is they're drinking fucks them both up. Uh, it taxes Wolverine's healing factor to the point that in his contest afterward, it's basically like he can die now because, (laughs) uh, his healing factor is still trying to, fight off the effects of this alcohol storm it messes up even further in that she is unable to even like going into her contest against death they have to fight and she is not able to use her powers and she tries and it fails At which point, Death is just like, well, now it's nothing at all. Like, what are you going to do without your powers? And Mm -hmm. she's like, your mistake is in thinking that my powers are what makes me powerful. And then she proceeds to absolutely wreck the guy. That I really liked. Mm -hmm. But what is interesting about X of Swords is now the aftermath of it, wherein Arako and Krakoa have been reunited. The population of Krakoa has increased uh, significantly, including a whole bunch of Omega-level mutants that were not previously extant on Earth. However, what is interesting about this is that um, everyone on Krakoa has sort of submitted to the rule of law on Krakoa. Every mutant who has come to Krakow uh, has said, yes, I will agree to abide by what you all say. And so there is the the Quiet Council, which has a lot of different viewpoints, like Sinister is a member, uh, Exodus, Magneto, Professor Xavier, Mystique is a member, stuff like that. So they've got a lot of different viewpoints perspectives um and also like it's heroes and villains as it were so it's not just it's not just xavier saying this is the way things are going to be it is mutant kind the good and and the bad saying this is what we want arako though is a new fly in the ointment in that they do not they are not they are not inherently interested in submitting to Xavier it, and Magneto's. Right. Cause they just got, and everybody's, from,
1: they just got right, back from they, hell
0: and don't really
1: want to put up with your bullshit.
2: Well, and like, also, even like, if they're even, right,
1: like, it doesn't matter. Like I just got back from hell. Go away. Like, <laughs> well,
0: and also like, because, because they've spent thousands of years in a different place you know even the people like sinister and fabian cortez have a context for xavier and magneto and all of these people saying okay this is what we're working on please come and join us their reaction is basically it's not only like we just got back from hell let us do our thing but also just like who the fuck are you like, yeah. we have our way of doing things, I don't see any reason why we shouldn't submit to your hippy-dippy bullshit.
1: Yeah, we just, we got back from hell, we were doing fine without you, and I've never heard of you. So why? Right. I'll go ahead yeah. and do my own thing, and, uh, no. How about no? Yeah. And if if anyone's like, well, but yes, I'd still be like, I got back from hell, I don't know who
0: you are, no. <laughs> Right. So, they're living on Krakoa, or the combined Krakoa-Arako, but they've already formed their own council. Of course um, they did. They and so together, together while... for a thousand years in hell. <laughs> like... right. And so, while Xavier and Magneto are making overtures saying, we are all mutants, we all have a thing that binds us together, not only... In terms of commonality, but because we are so beset by everything around us, we should bind together just because, separate, we are going to sink. And they're just like, huh, you're adorable. Like, you think this is adversity? Let me tell you what adversity is. (laughs) So, I don't know. That is is one of the... (sighs) I've gone back and forth on the current state of the X-Men. And I don't know how this is going to play out. I don't know whether it's going to be a good thing or I'm going to wind up hating it. But it is interesting.
1: Yeah. That is interesting. I mean, it's very like... uh... Nope, that's a spoiler for a thing that if... Having an entire civilization come in after you've just sort of finally put yourself together. Like, that's what's happened here. Like, the uh, mutant kind had, like, or at least on Preco uh, had kind of agreed, okay, let's at least band together and fuck off. Everybody else, and like, everybody else, like, we're okay now. Like, they finally yeah. got a stability and having another civilization of should be your own people come in and kick the table over and be like no we're not doing that that's yeah a fun idea <laughs> it has
0: the it has the this is my concern so this could be an interesting new wrinkle or this could be we have achieved homeostasis but now all we're doing is introducing a new internal threat to mutant kind. It's like, we've finally gotten, you know, there's still the schemers like Sinister and Sebastian Shaw and so on, but we've kind of got everybody on side. And now who the fuck is this guy? You know what I mean? Like, well, yeah, it's, it's kind of, it has the, it has the potential to wind up being a, dragon ball z where they introduce a new threat they deal with the new threat the threat actually becomes a friend so then they have to introduce a bigger threat and that so this could go either way on that so yeah oh no (laughs) (laughs) yeah so uh comics i guess we we should should do that at some point we should do that at some point Uh, go for it. Power Man and Iron Fist starts us off this week with issue number 51, which has a cover by Ernie Chan and is written by Chris Claremont, penciled by Mike Zack, inked by Ernie Chan, colored by Mary Ellen Beveridge, lettered by Gaspar Saladino and Rick Parker, and edited by Jim Shooter. Um, this starts off pretty normal in that Power Man and Iron Fist are just kind of kicking it, um... Power Man is showing Danny, or, excuse me, Luke Cage is showing Danny his old neighborhood, kind of just showing him the sights, because let's face it, Danny has no context for this. Um, And in doing so, they they wind up by this grocery store that's being shaken down. They intervene, and it turns out that the guys shaking the place down are, in fact robots um they they fight and it it's rough like luke kind of gets laid out um a bit but they are able they're able to destroy the robots at which point the police show up and everybody in the store is just like nah these these superheroes came in and started wrecking shit and they're like what are you talking about but you know.
1: I, I really like this moment because uh Danny's like, wait, what or Iron Fist is like, Wait, what the hell? We are, we're no, we came in and blew up the I'm the one that punched real hard. You guys saw that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh Luke's like grabs him by the arm and is like sort of under his breath, This is this is one of those things we just do. We're fine. yeah we, we this is the way this goes, we don't fight this. And he's like, Okay cool so they go outside get in the squad car and it's and lieutenant Scarfy is the one driving and he's like right. oh okay and he's like look you're not really under arrest we just needed to talk to you about what's going on inside and we think your guy you guys are actually going to be able to help us out and he, they're right. like well i don't like it but okay
0: and what what I find interesting what I find interesting about this is it's very easy coming into this to to forget or not know that Danny is still really naive in the workings of the outside world. Yeah. So it it is interesting to see Luke just be like you don't know what's going on. Just just let it go. Like Luke knows yeah, we smashed up the robots. We don't, they can't, they can't back us up because whoever is controlling the robots is still out there. Shut the fuck up and let this happen. Yeah. We'll deal with it. Um, And Danny's just like, but no, I, huh? Like, <laughs> and that's interesting. So
1: very, very loudly protesting. And he's just like,
2: there are
0: reasons. Yeah. So, Scarfy and Da Tower uh, convene with everybody at Nightwing uh, Restorations or whatever it's called uh, to sort of lay out the situation. And they're like, "We're aware of what's going on. It has not gone well for our police trying to deal with this." let's let's have you take a look at at it so misty's like okay i have some contacts i can check with you guys take some time off and do what you want to do i'm gonna look into that uh so luke goes and pays a visit to harmony who he met last issue um and he's like you want to go have a day and she's like sure um, remember when I saved you from that rubble? Let's date, yeah, um, <laughs> and you know, like she's into it, so yeah, cool, get it go for it. um, but Misty goes to talk to uh Simon Shreve, who is quite obviously a pimp. They never come out and say it, but he's a pimp um yeah. and she so she dresses. As a prostitute and talks to some prostitutes and they're like, yeah, you, you need to talk to him. He probably knows. And so she does um, and, you know, pulls pulls the gun a gun on him and says, you're going to tell me everything, you know, he takes her to this project. Um,
1: Which we had and... gone to with
0: Shreve before to introduce us to. Uh, I don't know that it was Shreve that went there initially. I think that was. might have been some other dude. No,
1: it was Shreve. But anyway, anyway, but he... And at there Introduces us to uh, the bad big bad guy, which is... He,
0: he is uh, Rossum, I believe.
1: Rossum, yeah. And uh, Nightshade is also there. And Nightshade... And if you don't is acting if you remember nightshade nightshade's acting weird um,
0: yeah night nightshade so it quickly becomes clear that nightshade is um is the true power behind the throne here um in as much as so if you recall uh she showed up in captain america previously Um, and, and I'm saying this for the benefit of those who are following along, uh, she showed up in Captain America previously, uh, and here she is when, when we're first introduced to Rossum, she is acting like a gangster's mole in that she's just like, come on the Muppets is getting ready to come on yeah. but then after that so the underling is talking to Rossum she goes off to the side and she's like okay you know keep an eye on Cage and Iron Fist and if anybody tells them anything it's going to be the last thing they ever do Um, at which point Rossum says the same thing to this guy Whatever. So anyway, Shreve takes uh, Misty Knight to the building, and that's kind of the last we see of Misty this issue. Yep. Uh, things then switch. Danny goes to Rand Meacham, because he thinks that the labs there, being more advanced than what the cops have access to, will be able to figure out something about the robots that... Uh, the cops have not been able to. When he gets there, this security guard is just like, whoever the hell you are, you're not supposed to be in here. Iron Fist twigs to something going on because he knows this security guard. This security <sighs> guard knows him. Yeah. Um, and there's a whole bunch of security guards that don't really belong there. Right. And so he's like, okay, sorry, sorry. Gets back on the elevator then comes up through the elevator shaft it turns out that Rand Meacham um, has been taken by a bunch of thugs working in the employ of this guy Morgan Um, if you are not careful in reading this it is very easy to confuse Morgan for Rossum Uh, he's not because Morgan is there for the same reason Danny is which is he, is, he wants these robots out of his turf. Yeah. Um, he thinks that Rand Meacham <coughs> is involved because he had previously had dealings with Joy's father. Um, whose name escapes me? Uh, the evil Meacham. Harold Meacham. Yeah. Uh, so he's like, "You, your company has criminal dealings. These ad- robots are very advanced. Ergo, you're somehow involved in this." Right. So, um, that's where we kind of leave things. This issue. Uh so Power Man and Iron Fist number fifty-two has a cover by Ron Wilson and Ernie Chan, written by Chris Claremont and Ed Hannigan, inked by Ricardo Villamonte. Colored by Nelson Yamtov and lettered by Jim Novak. This issue begins with Iron Fist uh, dealing with Morgan and his men. Um, There are some really interesting things in this in that he winds up on the roof fighting a bunch of Morgan's goons and rescues one of them from falling to his death. While he is trying to save this guy, another goon comes up and is getting ready to kill him, at which point, the I think it's Billy, who's hanging from Iron yeah. Fist's hand, is just like, dude, if you kill him, I will die, at which point the guy's like, yeah, well, the boss has already kind of gotten sick of you fucking up, so <laughs> sorry, Billy, uh, at which point Billy throws a switchblade and kills the other goon. Iron Fist pulls him up, at which point Billy turns on him and Iron Fist wrecks him. Um So it's it's kind of a it's kind of a nice little like back and forth. Um Yeah,
1: there's also um before that Danny trying to save Joy when she wants to kill him. Like yeah. there's a lot of that too, and hurt him finally just being like, Look if I'm going to keep you alive, I need you at least not fighting me over it. And so you just like nerve pinch, go to sleep. Um, Yeah. And, and then all the back and like, which is the good, which is a good move. Like if you're going to keep her alive, you don't want her fucking doing that. But then to go have the naive thing where, okay, I finally, I saved a killer. Everything should be fine. And the guy immediately turns and tries to kick him off the roof. And it's like, well, yeah, Danny duh.
0: It's that's kind of a kind scorpion in of... the frog situation. Right. Like, exactly. you knew what I was. <laughs> um. So, Danny deals with Morgan, at which point we get a bit of closure to the Joy Meacham thing, wherein she's just like, you killed my father. And he's like, you know that's not true. It was the ninja. I decided I came at your father, but decided not to kill him. Blah, 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 blah. In the end, Danny hands her a gun, and he's just like, if you want me dead, kill me. At which point, she can't. Uh, Which causes her to recognize what Danny experienced in dealing with her father. In that he was prepared to kill him, but when it came down to the moment, he couldn't do it. Um and she collapses into his arms, just with this, uh, with this wave of like, oh my god. Um, that part feels a little pat. I hope that's not the end of that because I recognize that emotions are running high due to everything that just happened. But I hope it's not just like, and everything is instantly forgiven um so yeah yeah
1: no like they should not be friends now <laughs> they should be yeah. at very least uh fine but like not a,
0: a fragile piece
1: <laughs> yeah but like they're definitely not like seeking to hang out with each other the next time right. this interaction they have any interaction at all it should be I'm hoping at least that it's a it's a forced thing like they have right. to talk about business stuff or whatever, but right. like they don't want to see each other. I, I just, right.
0: We'll see. Yeah. We'll, we'll see how that plays out. Um The second half of this issue is uh so Luke uh, realizes Misty hasn't come back. He eventually tracks down Simon Shreve uh <laughs> gets gets Shreve, which is interesting because Luke is still finding the limits of what he can and cannot do. Right. So when Shreve starts driving his big ass uh, car at Luke, Luke is just like, I don't know if I, I need to get out of the way. Cause I don't know if my body can actually take that. He discovers that he actually can. So, where, you know, it's an, it's interesting to look at a character who, while nothing is changing about his powers, is still kind of figuring out what he can and can't do, even though it's still been like 50 issues. Right. Um And so that's interesting. But Shreve takes him to the projects. Um It's worth mentioning... The projects here are abandoned uh, because they were built, but there was so much graft going on that they wound up being condemned before they were ever populated. Uh, And so the only ones there are Rossum and Nightshade um, Mm -hmm. and their people. Uh, Shreve takes him there. He is, of course, beset by robots. So he plays he plays possum he is taken upstairs and Rossum immediately is just like so you're still awake and Cage is like oh okay um they he is actually knocked out um via these larger robots um and then Misty tries to help she she is taken again um and then Rossum and Nightshade load them up, take them to a car, and push them off a cliff into the river. So that cliffhanger brings us to Power Man and Iron Fist number 53, which has a cover by Lee Elias and Frank Springer, penciled by Sal Busema, inked by Jim Mooney, lettered by Gaspar Saladino and Gene Simek, and edited by Bob Hall this issue uh starts with luke and misty going into the water misty wakes misty comes to and starts trying to figure out what to do but in the in hitting the water her head hits the windshield uh not only does this fuck her up but it weakens the windshield so when they're in the water The windshield then blows out and water comes flooding in. Luke uh, is then able to revive. He saves the both of them and gets them back onto dry land and administers mouth-to-mouth to to Misty. Um, They then go and find the police and lead them to the lair. Uh, which has been completely cleaned out. And not only not only just they're not there, but also the whole place has been stripped of every piece of technology or anything else. It's down to the bare walls. Um, so the police are pissed off because they're just like, stop wasting our time. Uh, Misty, up until this point, has been... Uh, refusing treatment for her head or the uh, various scratches and cuts from the glass. But uh, when Iron Fist shows up, she then winds up passing out and so they get her help. Obviously, she has a concussion because of course she does. Iron Fist, though, has a device from Rand Meacham that will allow them to track the, uh, signals put out by the robots. They do this. Uh, we then switch to an abandoned high school where, uh, Nightshade is just like, ah, those assholes, but whatever. We have everything we need. I've got new robots that I'm building that are even better than the ones I have. Everything's hunky-dory, but then suddenly, What?
1: So I'm just wondering, like, obviously I don't know too I don't know too much about New York in general, right? Like New York City, I've never been there. I have no real aspirations to do so. Um and but I have I have an underst I have a a picture in my mind of what it is, right? And Uh in the seventies was there just a lot of abandoned buildings because the thought of having abandoned buildings in Manhattan or any of the other boroughs now is just like anathema to what I what I think of when it comes to uh, New York City. Like because right. they're constantly, if that building's abandoned, it's the land is bought and it is by someone, probably a ghoul, um, who will tear the building down whatever's there and build something new so that they can sell it to, uh, I assume, uh, Russian oligarchs. But, like, (laughs) that's the way that I... The building will still be empty, but it will not be abandoned. Um, It's just... It's insane to me that we had this giant project from the previous hideout that was abandoned. And then we go to an abandoned high school that is also sitting on a lot of real estate that I'm just like that. Is that the way it worked in the seventies? Because now that would not stand. that at least to my understanding, that would not stand. It's just so weird. Maybe the seventies had to have
0: been it, different. It is, it is, uh, if you if your perception of New York is, uh, <laughs> informed by comics, Uh, whether it's Marvel's New York or DC's Gotham, uh, yeah, you will have an outsized vision of exactly how many abandoned warehouses, theme parks, uh, you know, and (laughs) on and on and on there actually are. That does not mean there aren't. Um, I think, I think that, uh, Certainly, there are uh, there are a lot of reasons for um, things having pretty quick turnaround in certain areas. But by the same token, the real estate market in New York is still a real estate market. So there are places that are very in demand and places that really aren't. Um, and a... An abandoned high school in Manhattan? No. Uh, yeah. And an abandoned, an abandoned high school in South Bronx? Maybe. <laughs> like, you okay. know.
1: It... And again, like, as I, as I, as I, uh, uh, I don't know, the, the word escapes me. But as I said, when I hedged my bets with my statements early on is like, know nothing about New York now, know nothing about the city in the 70s, too uh also this is comics i just am like wow this is just a lot of abandoned buildings for this area you guys got real lucky huh
0: yeah no there 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 (laughs) certainly are in comics a lot of abandoned (laughs) properties uh i think i think ultimately both in the 70s and today there are some definitely um but definitely fewer uh, fewer than in than comics would have you believe. <laughs> yeah, if if you were to go
1: because by,
0: because um, if we went
1: by Daredevil, all of Hell's Kitchen is just mostly wasteland, right? Mm-hmm. And that's that would be
0: impossible in the seventies, and more so now. <laughs> I I th- I will say that I think that the chances of there being more abandoned real estate in marvel's new york makes sense simply from the standpoint of sure you had the money to buy land and build a thing but given how many things go wrong in comics universes uh and how often things are attacked blown up uh become become uninhabitable due to general super fuckery I can see it. <laughs> well, Shit, you know? like, I mean, again, but I mean, but
1: also, like, the Molten Man burned down an entire hospital a couple of months ago. Yeah. So, yeah. like, don't live in New York? What are you people still doing here? Go away.
0: Well, you know. The problem would they're... just follow them. Do what?
1: Well, I mean, that's, that's the thing. is, like, if the population of New York, if everybody in All New York was off. Just, because <laughs> so it was just like, you know what? This place sucks. We could probably get jobs somewhere else and just everybody left. Then it's not as though the crime wouldn't follow that population. They would right. we would just switch New York to Minneapolis or whatever. Right.
0: Or where where Chicago like yeah, whatever wherever place those people resettled would have the same problems. <laughs> exactly. Um and it's yeah, it's uh and it's certainly possible that even if a co- even if a real estate holding company or the state had insurance that protected them against those situations, knowing what we know about insurance companies, it's probably there's probably going to be a bit of lag time between uh, filing the claim and actually receiving the insurance payout to right. restore the building that you had (laughs) uh, post-superhero attack. So, you know, for all we know, this... There's a really
1: dark satire in there somewhere about insurance claims in a superhero universe that someone better than me ought to write. Um, Oh, I oh
0: I cannot imagine the outsized power that insurance companies would hold in this universe the premiums alone in new york city for buildings like to get
1: a building insured yeah against uh, superhero attack is like must be astro-fucking-nomical and because they're all but guaranteed right right so even if you are not an evil insurance corporation which is its own oxymoron a non-evil insurance corporation I don't believe you But even if you were like Trying to keep your rates So like So that as an insurance company All you did was break even Right? Like that's Right That's impossible And doesn't exist And I r- refuse to truck But like Even if you were That kind of insurance company That was just like All we want to do is break even We're a non-profit insurance company Um <laughs> They you still would have to charge premiums in just so high, because yeah. shit's getting blown up all the time. Anyway, yeah. that's off topic. I, uh, I just apparently I think that's more. <laughs> oh no, I think in, or, <laughs> real estate and insurance is more interesting than this comic story. <laughs> that's well, really bad. Uh, <laughs> that's I, that does not say know. good things about the story. <laughs>
0: But anyway, uh, so they're at an abandoned high school. <laughs> they're just like, whatever, we're we're still in good shape. But then uh, Iron Fist and Power Man break through the wall. Uh, a fight ensues. They're able to take out the various robots. Uh, it turns out that Rossum himself is a robot, uh, so they smash him. This causes Nightshade to collapse next to the... Broken shell of her robot, and she's just like, He may have just been a robot to you, but he was my friend, and everything. But it turns out this is a cover. She's put she pulls a weapon on them, which blinds them. Power Man tries to recover from it, however, while he is doing so, Iron Fist, because martial arts, is able to overcome his not being able to see and uses his other four senses. I assume, including taste. That's to what I going to
1: say. <laughs> like you tasted her? Gross. <laughs> well, That's the weird thing. That's the, that's the thing kind of thing you specific- need consent
0: for. <laughs> uh, he, he actually, had he simply said, my other senses, that would have been one thing. But he does, if I'm not mistaken, mistake or mis- specifically say... The other four. Uh, Yes. The other four. Meaning he was tasting. And I want to know what that means. Like, was he flicking out his tongue like a snake, or was he just running around tongue first? Whatever. So he is. Especially not now. He is then able to take her down. Luke Cage recovers to discover that uh she is down and out and everybody's happy. Hooray. Uh these issues weren't bad. Uh there was a lot I really liked here. Uh a lot of it was pretty straightforward. Um but we are we are I think doing a good job of establishing the interplay not only between Iron Fist and Luke Cage further but we're still developing Iron Fist in terms of his understanding of the outside world. And the interplay between Power Man and Iron Fist and Misty. Colleen wasn't really around yeah, I missed, in all I, of this. I missed
1: Colleen this, this run. Um, I wanted to know where the hell she was. Uh, but And the other thing that's cool is, like, like you were saying... They both have their individual things that they have to do. Like, that they are currently mm-hmm. doing. Danny is yeah. relati- figuring out, A, how he relates to the outside world, and his very under... You know, he his forming his understanding of what it is. Um, and meanwhile, Luke is doing something complimentary to that and being like, well, if I'm not going to do the Hero for Hire gig, then what are we... What am I doing? And how... <sighs> Do I want to... He, he keeps bringing it up like, no, I work better. I always think I work better alone. And then he's continually proven wrong on that yeah. score, which is awesome, right? Like, that's yeah. cool. Um, every single time he starts down that road, like the, well, I should probably just break out on my own. And then it's like, nope, if you did that, people would have died. It's great.
0: Right. And I, and I also think uh, Power Man and Iron Fist are complementary in this in this stretch simply because they are both now approaching an unknown world um iron fist because he was raised elsewhere um but luke cage because he's been he's been the innocent convict for so long um not only when he was in prison but also uh after he escaped and changed his name and was doing the Hero for Hire thing, he's always been looking over his shoulder. He's always been, you know, that one thing. But now he's free. He he is adjusting to a life where he can be who he is yeah, again. Um, or who he would have been had all this shit not befallen him, mm-hmm. and so I think I think it's interesting to not only have Danny doing his stuff, but also have Luke, you know, figuring out what he is now that he doesn't have that hanging over his head. Um, and I dig that, and yeah, I, I hope they play on that properly.
1: So, like when I was. 18 or 19 or whatever and i first heard of power man and iron fist and like i knew of them as separate characters kind of and that was like i think it was uh you guys that were like oh no they had their own book forever and they keep making their own book like them together and i was like the karate guy and the dude with the skin and they're and you were like yeah it also really works sometimes and i'm like no what <laughs> but then i see it and it's like oh yeah i get it yeah um and it's especially i mean it's it'll get better but like right now they're doing good work character wise together that i didn't think would work and it is so
0: yeah yeah so that brings us to avengers number 167 uh, which has a cover by George Perez and Terry Austin and is written by Jim Shooter and Roger Stern, penciled by George Perez, inked by Pablo Marcos, colored by Phil Rachelson, lettered by Joe Rosen, and edited by Archie Goodwin. We are returning to Corvac. Um, this issue starts, and uh, we, we have... Um, there's a couple weird things that happen, but the overall, uh, beginning of this is that Nick Fury contacts the Avengers and he's like, we need your fucking help. Like now, um, there is a giant thing that suddenly appeared and is in danger of destroying the space station run by S.H.I.E.L.D. that I am currently on. <laughs> help us out. Um, it turns out Tony Stark is aboard, but they send him back to Earth to keep him safe. I guess in the uh, only working escape capsule. Like I guess yeah. so. Um, but he arrives, changes to Iron Man, and then go meet goes and meets the Avengers who are waiting for him. And Cap is just like, "Where the fuck were you? Yeah, uh, we have shit to do, and we can't. You're supposed to be our chairman. You're supposed to be our leader." you need to be here. And Iron Man's just like, I'm doing my best asshole back off. Um, Get in the goddamn
1: car. Let's go. And so
0: they, and this is going to inform a lot of what happens with Iron Man and cap this week. Yeah. uh, For better or worse.
1: And we also get a, a brief thing in a diner with Thor and Wonder Man. And it's very much, the beginnings of what we do with wonder man this week which is like should i be an avenger how strong am i am i a coward that kind of thing right
0: and (laughs) i i i think this is i think this is an interesting um this is an interesting thing to do with wonder man Mm -hmm. i don't always like when we do it in the middle of a fight because it's just like come on man like Yeah. Figure this out on your own time. You know, people are dying. (laughs) Like, uh, but I, I, I overall like what is happening with Iron Man with, or Iron Man, Wonder Man, as he's trying to just be like, he, his entire thing this week is coming up to other, uh, characters and just being like, how do you deal with this? Like, how, how do you deal with the idea that you might die? Uh, Uh I've been there and I don't want to be there again and they're just like yeah
1: (laughs) and that's that's such a both the question and the answer are extremely good Yeah, like everybody's answers are basically like I mean we kind of just do it cause and that's That's what we're all doing. Like, how do you work? How do you work? How do you both the question of how are you doing this? We might all die. And they're like, but if we don't, we definitely will is the best answer. Like, or the kindest answer. The best answer is that's true. Anyway, buddy, (laughs) let's go. Right.
0: I, I, the thing that I will say about this is I almost kind of wish Wonder Man had his own book. In which we were doing this, sure. Um, because here it's not really given the room it needs to breathe. Um, the because there's a lot of this that is that could be very interesting and applicable across the board, right? In terms of how do you summon the courage to do something that may utterly destroy you, either physically or otherwise. Um, and it's it's it could be an interesting meditation on sort of the the uh the, the nature of heroism. Sure. From a character who's been kind of thrust into that situation and isn't really sure whether it's something he wants to be thrust into. Uh here it's just kind of like every so often it'll just be like, hey, uh how do you do this? And it it feels like more of an aside than it should be. Yeah. Um, and,
1: I mean, it gets so. pushed a little because, like, I think we, this was before we started recording, but, like, something's up with fucking Thor, yeah. and we don't know what the hell it is or if it ever pays off. But, like, right. he keeps bopping in and out of time, essentially, uh, and doesn't remember the stuff that happened to him before. Like, I just want to get that out of the way because it's not as interesting as it sounds. Um, and it's happening. Not throughout. yet. It's happening I... throughout Avengers. And it's sort of even mentioned in the Thor we read this week, but mm-hmm. like no payoff there this week. Um, yeah. And so anyway, they get to the uh, starship or the shield space station Everybody gets dressed up for a spacewalk and they float their asses over to this weird giant thing that appeared in space. Yeah. Uh, and hooray, after some, they split up to cover more ground. Uh, I f- didn't notice that before, but Iron Man's on the skates for some <laughs> reason. Uh, and yeah. Beast is on his own and runs into. Da da da. Uh, Charlie, 27, and Nikki. So, it's the Guardians.
0: Hooray! They have a misunderstanding because Charlie doesn't know what Beast is. Um, and Beast has not gotten to the part in the archives where they talk about the Guardians of the Galaxy. Which so. is
1: convenient. But, uh, they have a fight and are breaking shit until, uh... Vance, Martin X, uh... Hawk, Starhawk, and Yondu show up and are like, "Shut it down!" And yeah. then the rest of the Avengers show up and they're like, "Beast, you know who this is." And Beast is like, "I haven't gotten that far yet." And they're like, oh, "Okay, cool." Um, Vance has a has a has a celebrity gasm, uh, and because <laughs> he's wanted to meet the Avengers since he was a boy,
0: right. which.
1: Leads us to our supposed problem. Cor- yeah. the, the Guardians followed Korvac back in time because they're pretty sure that Korvac is here to kill young Vance Astro, which will mean that the Guardians in the future don't exist um, right. as they do today. Or there today. Time travel. Um, okay, good. Right. So the, what we do is put yeah. we we just gotta place somebody on Van, young Vance and just watch him until Korvac attacks. Then we take Korvac out, save the day. It's all good.
0: Go for yeah. it. Yeah, the second half of this issue is uh, a fashion show being put on by Janet Pym. Uh, Yellow Jacket, uh, Doctor Pym is of course in the audience, as is Kyle Richmond. Uh, when Porcupine attacks, Wasp, jacket, and Nighthawk take out Porcupine and his men. Um, and while this is going on, there is a model doing the show named Karina who is approached by this weird dude in a tux, uh, but they're like instantly just like, yeah, we're going to do this just like lock eyes. And it's just like, they're both just like yeah we're gonna bone down um at which point he takes her hand and they both disappear uh Nighthawk I don't think figures into this anymore he just had a random appearance to remind us that the defenders exist um and then he's gone because he doesn't show up anymore in this reading I don't know if he shows up at all again during Korvac uh But yeah, whatever. Okay, Uh, Avengers number one sixty eight has a cover by George Perez, Terry Austin, and Annette Cooecki, written by Jim Shooter, and lettered by Gaspar Saladino and Denise Wall. The Avengers return to Avengers Mansion, uh, and discover a bunch of their shit knocked around, (laughs) and uh, they come in and find. Jarvis tied up and the one who did all of this is Henry Peter Geirich, the national security guy in charge of all of this superhero bullshit. And he's just like really angry because he's like, people have been coming and going from your mansion constantly. You've got these guardian people here. They have no official status and as such have no business being near top-secret or high-priority pri- uh, information or or technology. You've got a huge fucking hole in the wall I was just able to walk in through from when Graviton attacked or no, uh, Nefaria. My bad. And he's just like, the United States government gives you a lot of leeway. You get security clearances and special uh Frequencies that are for you and you alone. You get to fly your Quinjet wherever the fuck you need to, and we make that happen. But we can't keep doing that if this shit is gonna continue. And they're just like, come on, man, we've had a rough month. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And to which he
1: responds, the NSA or the Security Council, the National Security Council does not give a shit that you had a rough month. This is a. This is a national security problem. Right. As far as I see it. And the rest of them are like, "Uh, uh, yeah, I guess you're right. Okay, get out. And he was like, all right, unfuck yourself. And he leaves. Yeah. Um,
0: And we, you know, throughout all of this, you've got Cap. (laughs) pushing back on what Iron Man is doing and Iron Man being like fuck you I need to do I need you to do what I say and Wanda's just like you both need to get your shit together she's like yeah. Cap you haven't been on point so you have no room to talk and Cap's like Ugh. um and Iron Man's angry and everybody's just kind of pissed at everybody and <laughs> some of these other people are just kind of like, I got my own shit going on, man. Like, <laughs> like we talked about wonder man's just like, am I even here? And beast is still like trying to justify his presence and everything yeah. else. So it's kind of, this is not the Avengers finest moment. Um, no, but, but we do what we can.
1: <laughs> we do what we can. I don't hate it either. Like sometimes yeah. when they're having these internal squabbles, I'm like, God, let's go. But this, this, For some reason, I'm a little more leeway on it. It feels... Well, because it feels earned, too, right? Yeah. They're both... Both Cap and Iron Man are right. Like, Iron Man needs to get his shit together and decide whether he's going to be Avengers chairman or able to do all the Tony Stark shit. Um, And, you know, Iron Man is right about Cap. Like, fucking lay off and get also you need to kind of get on point too buddy Um, yeah so wanda's the only one here with her head on her shoulders um and vision is also there uh (laughs) vision's kind of a non-entity this run and that's okay i don't need him examining his humanity every goddamn issue um well with everything
0: else going on it would be cluttered
1: yeah exactly
0: even Uh, more so than it is yeah
1: Uh, So we switch to a train somewhere in between, or in the Colorado Rockies, and find Hawkeye and Two-Gun Kid. They're uh, doing some tricks, and all of a sudden, Two-Gun pops out of existence. uh, Right. To which Hawkeye is confused and concerned. Right. Uh, Meanwhile, go for it. Uh,
0: Starhawk wanders off. (laughs) Um this is really this is really an interesting this is kind of the thrust of the issue, and it's really interesting because what happens is Starhawk turns into Alita and goes and finds Korvac. Korvac is currently living an idyllic life in a nice little house with his wife Karina, who he met last issue and disappeared with. And, you know, Starhawk shows up and Korvac is just like, "Okay, we're going to do this. Come on in. And so they kind of get the measure of each other. At which point they start battling on every level of reality. Um, You know, they're fighting both here in the moment. They're fighting on the astral plane. They're fighting on a cosmic scale all of this at the same time. Meanwhile, you have reverberations where, like, Doctor Strange and the Silver Surfer are sitting there going, oh, shit, what something's going on. Yeah, <laughs> um,
1: yeah, I really like the 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 parts where it's just, like, you switch to Peter and MJ are at a park 10 miles away, and Peter's just like, what the fuck was that? And MJ's uh, like, "Yeah, uh, what? And then, yeah, like, Doctor Strange... And Silver Surfer all being like, um, hey,
0: the, f- yeah. the fuck, yeah. Um, and it's and it's interesting because what winds up happening is the first domino begins to fall because Korvac is able to assault Starhawk's Gestalt psyche and basically break down the Alita portion which undermines what makes Starhawk fundamentally work. Uh, this then causes the other dominoes to fall and Starhawk loses, uh, to the extent that he is broken down into nothing. Uh, there is, there is literally a pile of ash, uh, left in Korvac's house. Um, Korvac then is just like, however, this may draw attention I don't want just yet, if Starhawk up and disappears. So it it suits me to put you back together, but you are not going to remember this encounter. And you are not going to be able to sense where I'm at or what I'm doing. Um, And then he just lets Starhawk leave. And Starhawk's just like, huh. How did I wind up here? Like as he's flying out over the city. And um you know, Korvac basically leaves him with a uh a the idea that it is vitally important that they protect young van's astro, but he has he's unable to see kind of what's gonna happen now. Uh so that's really interesting and I, it's kind of a highlight of this portion because we're kind of slow rolling Korvac at the moment. Yeah. Um, And so it's, it's really interesting for Korvac to just be like, big, big fight, but it's also just like a blip at this point in time. Right. And then he's just like, I'm not ready for anybody to know where I'm at or what I'm doing. So resume your shit um so yeah i also
1: think it's cool that in the rebuilding of starhawk he gives him all he's still we are led to believe that it is exactly the same starhawk that went into the house except now he has one hole in his awareness that is michael korvac and that's really gonna piss him off when he figures that out because that's starhawk's whole fucking deal uh right also to know that he's that powerful like that starhawk's that powerful is a lot um yeah i don't think we'd seen him we'd seen him do some pretty nasty shit before right but like this is to get those folks, this to get th- that many people to pay attention to what you were doing all at the same time is like right. holy shit. Uh,
0: yeah, it really is. Uh, this is this is uh, this is the first time I've viewed Starhawk as anything more than a an annoyance. I guess yeah. like he's a he's a Dave's or he's not a Dave's sex machina. He's a MacGuffin. Uh, a lot of the time where he's just like, "We need to do a thing," and they're like, "How do you know?" I am one who I knows. I am the one who knows. Uh, and it's just kind of like, okay, whatever. You sure. move the plot along, fine. Uh, this is the first time that we've really seen Starhawk go as all out as this, yeah. and it's pretty impressive. Um, yeah. it fails, but it's sure. impressive. Um, so now we take a slight break, and I we don't really need to spend a lot of time on these issues because the main reason these are in this place is because we reference it later. So Ms. Marvel number 15 has a cover by John Buscema, Joe Sinnott and John Romita written by Chris Claremont penciled by Jim Mooney Inked by Tony DeZuniga, colored by Phil Rachelson, lettered by Bruce Patterson, and edited by Archie Goodwin. Uh, I say we don't need to spend a lot of time on these because the actual the actual thrust of these issues, which is Ms. Marvel versus Tiger Shark, is kind of whatever. Um, the main point of all of the main point I, points I want to talk about are the sort of ongoing plot threads that either are being continued or begun in these issues. Mm -hmm. So Carol returns to New York. She has a brief uh, encounter with Dr. Barnett uh, where they get pizza at a restaurant. She's in costume and everybody's like, holy shit, it's uh, what's her face? And uh, she's just like, Ms. Marvel and uh, stuff like that. She goes to work, and we've got continuations of the stuff with the break-in and destruction at her penthouse. We have her trying to find a new place, and um, her friend Frank Gianelli gives her a line on a on an apartment. She goes and checks it out. It's a shithole, like because previous tenant left it that way but she does wind up deciding to take it um and she'll just put the work in and get it livable um there's this whole thing this whole side thing about uh jonah's friend's daughter who is working at the magazine and she's a complete fuck up um and stuff like that so all of that is ongoing um a lot of it's not really furthered this issue. The Frank, the Frank Gianelli thing, you know, he is interviewed by Gene DeWolf. Uh, and he lies to her and says he doesn't know stuff when in fact he does. Uh, and Carol asks him about it and he's like, well, I think it's, or I know the guy who's behind this. I don't know why he's doing the stuff he's doing. And she's like, okay. Follow the lead. Uh, be careful. Mm-hmm. So we will see what happens with that. The thrust of this issue is that as she is looking at her new apartment, there is a uh, a fight in another building, and Wondar, uh, remember him, uh, gets thrown through a wall and lands in her. Uh, in the garden of the apartment she's looking at she goes over there's a brief tussle between them because Wondar has the uh, intellect of a toddler Uh, and so he's just like ah and attacks her they fight she knocks him back into the building at which point going after him she is greeted by Anne Annie Christopher who is Wondar's guardian and his friends with Namorita. It turns out Tiger Shark is after Namorita because he doesn't know where Namor is. He's trying to draw him out, go after his cousin. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so Ms. Marvel goes after Tiger Shark. They have a fight, and it doesn't go... Like, she's able to hold her own, and she's able to keep anyone from being seriously injured, but Tiger Shark gets away. So she's like... I'm going to save Name Blah. End of issue. Um. I mean, it's, but it's
1: a wise move at the end of the issue. She's standing on a pier and is like, I should not go in there. <laughs> not right, right now. In his element, Tiger Shark will shred me. Uh, yeah. So. I need to get prepared before I go in there. I know that loses waste some time or loses me some time, but it's better than the alternative. And I'm like, good call. Right. Good on you.
0: Yeah. I, this is a very wise move on her part. I absolutely agree. Uh, and certainly works out for her in the long run in in ways that it would not have. Maybe she would have won out, but yeah, probably, Probably not, because all things being equal, she couldn't breathe down there. Uh, Plus, Tiger Shark is like Namor in that he's stronger in the water. And she didn't, she was holding her own, but she wasn't exactly winning against Tiger Shark. Because Tiger Shark is stronger, uh, but as we discover, the major thing she has going for her is she is able to outthink Tiger Shark, uh, which winds up being her big advantage. So Ms. Marvel number sixteen has a cover by Dave Cockrum, Terry Austin, Dan- and Danny Crespi, uh, inked by Frank Sp- Springer and lettered by Gaspar Saladino and Rick Parker. So this is why we are reading these in this exact place, and that is because Ms. Marvel's like, okay, I need ha- I need access to things I don't have. So she tries a few avenues, but they're all, you know. The Fantastic Four is currently not a thing. Um, right. And so, like, Tony Stark is unavailable because he's got Avengers shit going on. So she goes to Avengers Mansion. And there she meets uh, Beast, whom she has a tussle with. Because she she bursts in. And uh, st- she explains later that she's just like, yeah, I was in a hurry and I don't know my own strength. But this leads to a your generic heroes fighting heroes. Uh, but then Scarlet Witch intervenes. Do now, what?
1: Again, Wanda comes in and shuts it down because she's the only one with a head on her shoulders in
0: this whole Wanda,
1: fucking building. Wanda's the
0: adult. <laughs> like, Wanda keeps having to be the adult in the room, which it's kind of funny that that's the case given how hard Wanda goes off the rails later. But it's it's interesting reading these knowing that and seeing her having to be the one that's holding shit together
1: um well no wonder but, she's having to hold or no wonder she goes off the rails so hard later is because she spent 25 years holding these assholes together yeah with these giant personalities by having to get in between them every other day probably yeah. and stop them from fu- yeah no it's a lot that's a lot of emotional and mental work anyway
0: yeah um. so she's like so Wanda steps in and she's like okay let's hear her out and Ms. Marvel explains the situation Scarlet Witch is just like I'm going to take a chance I'm going to trust you so Ms. Marvel goes downstairs and starts working and she is able to do a few things and this is this is kind of more than we've seen from Ms. Marvel up to now in terms of um what she can do above and beyond fighting um
1: yeah, this is a little it, more technical know-how than we've gotten before,
0: which makes sense from a from the standpoint of she's got all these Cree memories oh, so yeah. it makes sense that you know even even a basic Cree probably can do stuff that a a normal human can't. So she is able to a use a piece of Neymarita's jewelry to figure out a way to track her, and B develop something that develop a, a serum or a pill that is able to make her um, survive and breathe and withstand the pressures of the ocean uh. At the end of which she goes off on her own to find tiger to find Tiger Shark, she realizes she's like you know I was there all night, probably could have called in some of the other Avengers, like Iron Man or Thor, who could have come along and helped me, but too late now. Um, so she she goes into the water, um, and the pro the problem with what the things she developed that allows her to survive down here is that the more she exerts herself, the shorter it's going, the the shorter the time that she has. So, uh, she fights tiger shark who, yes, he has the advantage. Plus they're in the wreck of a, of a world war two vessel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Which gives him, like, torpedoes to fight with, and he knocks her into the lair of a squid, and that becomes a whole thing. Stuff like that. Uh, Ms. Marvel is able to use... Sorry.
1: Yeah, as she fights the squid, um, she's able to beat the squid, which means it shoots off ink, and again, like, she's able to use the ink to some of her advantage and get a good hit on Tiger Shark, but... It's not nearly enough.
0: Yeah. Uh, But. This, of course, is causing it to causing the clock to run down even further. Um, Eventually, she is able to use her abilities, not only in terms of strength and stuff like that, but also just in fighting acumen because Tiger Shark is a battering ram. Yeah, he isn't. He, he doesn't have a ton of finesse he is just sort of I hit the thing in front of me until it goes down until it stops um, the fighting. yeah yeah uh and she is able to use her superior uh uh training to best him however she runs out of time and passes out. However, when she comes to, she is on dry land, she's on dry land. Uh, Namorita, who had been chained up, used a bit of ripped up hull to saw off her chains, was able to grab Ms Marvel before she passed out and uh, get her to the surface and revive her. Uh, Nae says she's summoned a ship uh, from the uh, Hydro base where the Atlanteans have been and uh, she's like this is it. Tiger Shark is an Atlantean problem we'll take care of him and Ms. Marvel's like okay Um, I, I really like because you know there's a there's a there's a point where Ms. Marvel kind of crosses the Rubicon in terms of uh, this fight, because there's a point at which she's like, it's wearing off and I, there's no way I can reach the surface before this wears off. And she commits to taking Tiger shark down, even though it's probably going to mean her death. We as readers who are going back to this, no, it won't. But still, from a character standpoint, it introduces some stakes that I think work really well. Um, so, this this winds up, you know... I, I was kind of frustrated in the middle of this to just be like, and we're taking a break from Korvac, why are we doing this? But i i really i really kind of like a lot of what's done with ms marvel here um yeah.
1: there's good character really... work inside a story that's real meh um yeah. like as far as actual plotting here i'm like yeah. it's tiger shark i don't like it when namor fights tiger shark it's a slightly more interesting fight uh, the part where she more more work happens in this issue in 16 than in 15 and it's the stuff that's more about like her and what she can do and how she yeah is willing to deal with a problem is good
0: yeah yeah uh so yeah i i I was never a big fan of Ms. Marvel, and I think it's just because the the times I read Ms. Marvel, they didn't really seem to know what to do with her. Yeah. Um, But reading this, I've really come to like her a lot more, you know, when she becomes Captain Marvel, cool. Um, But going into a lot of this, Ms. Marvel was... I I was kind of ambivalent about this version of Carol. Uh, And so this, this I'm on board with a lot more than I ever thought I would be. Um, Now we get into something that is just a straight up. This is filler. End of story. Um, Avengers number one. Sorry.
1: Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead.
0: Avengers number one sixty nine. What were you gonna say?
1: Um they I think they even admit it. Straight yeah. up. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um and uh so number one sixty nine has a cover by Dave Cockrum, Joe Sinnet, and Irving Watanabe, written by Marv Wolfman, penciled by Sal Busema, inked by Dave Hunt, colored by Ken Keizak lettered by John Costanza and edited by Marv Wolfman. This story concerns a, a competitor of Stark's who has discovered that he is dying. His life has fallen apart. His wife left and took the kids. We're never really informed whether, as to whether um, she left him because of the diagnosis or because he drove his wife away then was diagnosed with this life-ending illness, uh, which I feel like is fairly important information because one creates sympathy. The other makes it clear exactly what kind of asshole this is when combined with everything else we find out about him in this issue. Um, but he attacks wearing a, a suit of green armor and uh, is taken down... By Iron Man, Iron Man Captain America, and Black Panther. He tries to to goad them into killing him. Uh, once they take him down and they are able to figure out that he's dying, uh, they start working on, A, what his fucking problem was, and B, uh, keeping him alive for a minute. Um what they discover is that he has rigged uh, four bombs three of which are spread out over the earth Uh, the fourth we don't know Uh, and the idea is once he dies they will go off destroying the earth Um, because he is such a megalomaniac that he cannot imagine earth continuing to exist without him on it so, Iron Man fits a piece of armor of his around this guy Jason Beer's chest in order to keep him alive while they figure out what they're going to do. Uh, we we do the obligatory split up and find it. They all go and track down uh, the three pieces, the three bombs that they're aware of, uh, or that they know the locations of. Bring them back, fit them together the way Beer claims Beer's notes claim that they will. Um, at which point it turned a recording plays of Beer telling them, "Yeah, fuck you. I knew you were going to do this. This is all part of the plan." But then we find out Switcheroo. Iron Man knew that that was the case. Iron Man knew that the bombs were not so much bombs as a recording device because he looked at the plans and interpreted them that quickly because he's fucking Iron Man, uh, and he's just like, well, I think the fourth bomb is actually wired into his chest. He's like, that's how he's going to do this: is that he, <coughs> by wiring it, by wiring it in to his heart, it will automatically register his death, thus setting them off. So they're like, can we get it out? And Iron Man's like, no. So they put him in to suspended animation. And that's the last we've seen of Jason beer. I, I looked it up to see if anything ever happens to this dude. And it doesn't seem to, uh, his, his only other appearances were in like, um, Avengers files and like handbook of the Marvel universe, that kind of thing. Uh, He's still just frozen and I don't know. I could, I could kind of see Kurt Busick coming along and doing something with that or, yeah, you know,
1: I, but they haven't. I just have, they do this a lot. Yeah. <laughs> this is a problem, a human problem. Put it in the basement. We'll figure yeah. it out later because they did that with uh, Black Knight too. Yeah. as well
0: yeah alright, so that brings us to another brief aside which is uh, Thor number 267 cover, has a cover by Walt Simonson and Joe Sinnott written by Len Wein, penciled by Walt Simonson inked by Tony DeZunica colored by Glennis Wein, lettered by Joe Rosen, and edited by Len Wein uh we're doing a bit of rebuilding in Asgard. Baldur is heading up that effort. A pillar starts to fall. Thor saves the day. Blah, blah, blah. At the end of it, we are at the end of this bit. We have the trial of Loki. Um, and Loki, uh, Loki is very defiant in the face of it. He does not try to weasel his way out of it. He's like, fuck you. Yeah, I tried to take over. You're a fucking dinosaur. Thor isn't fit to lead this place. It should be me. And I would rather be stripped of my immortality than ever bend the knee to any of you dipshits ever again. And Odin's just like, okay. And so he strips Loki of his immortality and everything else and plunks him on Earth as a homeless drunk. Um... It won't last, of course, but no. I I do like this, this Loki who's just like, yeah, okay. Like, it's all out in the open now, so fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. Do what you want. And, uh, yeah.
1: I like both of those things. Both Loki not being a sniveling prick but him being like, no, yeah, you're right. I did all that stuff and I do it again and I do it and I did it on purpose because you suck. And then yeah. I like the big mood energy or the, the the energy of Odin being like, you know what? That's a great idea. Bop! And just, he's gone. Uh, yeah. It won't last, but it's nice to know that Loki is out there, and when he regains his memories, he will be pissed. Yeah. And motivated.
0: Yeah. Um At the end of that trial, Thor's like, well, I'm going back to Earth. The Warriors 3 are like, we will join you! And Thor's like,
1: uh... uh I kinda... uh...
2: no? <laughs> and yeah. like,
1: by the way, Warriors 3, I have a job for you. Somewhere else. And they're like, Well, yeah. if our king demands it, and they go off to do whatever the fuck it was. I don't remember. Um,
0: uh, he, he sends them to track down uh Loki's generals in his insurrection. Oh yeah. Because they're still on the loose. We get a brief, Baldur saying goodbye to the Norn Queen, because she's going back to her place and she's like, You know where to find me? And he's like, Yeah, I do. Um and then Thor says goodbye to Sif and she's like, you know, I love you. I understand you need your space right now. And he's like, thank you. Peace out. Um, I'll call you. And heads back to Earth. I really uh, like
1: hmm? Balder and Carnilla is so much fun to imagine. Like mm-hmm. We never get to spend that like, time with them because it's not Balder's book. And I wouldn't want to, but I like it as an aside. Like, remember, Balder, the righteous Balder, or the very complicated, the much more complicated than he deserves to be, Balder, and, you know, the bad girl. Yeah. Have a thing. They rail each other on the regular, but like, and would much rather have more, but neither of them can. It's like, It's very cool to imagine what's going on there and the fact that they just sort of touch it every once in a while and then let me do whatever I want with it is fantastic. I like it a lot.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot more fun than if it were just, we're going to focus on this right now. Yeah. Um, There's some things that need more and this is one of those things that I am fine with this being the extent of what we do for now. Right. Um, it, It
1: makes sense too because like I know... We all know how this story works, right? Like, you don't need yeah. to tell me this stuff. Tell me when something changes, and then we'll we'll get back to it, if, if yeah. we need to. Um, but yeah, go for it.
0: So, um... Thor heads back to Earth and changes into Donald Blake. Donald Blake, for whatever reason, is surprised that after all this time away from his practice... Um, He has lost his practice completely. The building has been demolished and replaced with a parking garage. Uh, And he's just like, well, fuck. And so he goes to pay a visit to a guy who had mentored him some in college. Um, And he's just like, I don't know what to do. And the guy's like, well, are you are you looking for a post? Like what, what are you looking for from this job? Because you disappear a lot. Yeah. Is that going to continue or are you looking to stay in one place? And he's like, I am who I am. And he's like, that's what I thought. So what I would suggest is that there are free clinics where they're constantly looking for people. You don't get paid, uh, which seems kind of brushed off for he lives in New York City and it's expensive as fuck to live there. Uh, I But like, we as readers know who he is and it's probably not that big a deal. <laughs> like, does Don Blake need an apartment? Uh, or can he just, you know, change into Thor and go sleep at Avengers Mansion? You know? Does
1: Don Blake... Sleep.
0: Yeah.
1: I don't know. There's so many questions with this. But like, and it's very, it's very comics and Thor specific to just be like, do not think about this too hard. If you do, it will break everything. Yeah. Don't do it. And it's like, okay. Um, So then... Yeah, while he's at the hospital, um, getting this advice, uh, this guy, Damocles, shows up and steals some cobalt that they were using for research at the hospital. Um, he, Uh, yeah, Blake Jates is after him because he kind of forgets who the hell he is and, uh, gets knocked, punched. He gets up and is like, well, I gotta go, thanks, bye. And the doctor guy he was talking to is like, uh, you really shouldn't. And he's like, yep, nope. Uh, Jumps out of an abandoned alley outside the hospital and turns into Thor and tears after
0: Right. Damocles,
1: in order to escape, Damocles shoots a missile at the UN building. Thor, in what is really a cool move, throws the hammer... Stops the missile before it hits the UN, and then because we're also wishy washy on what's Thor's how Thor flies, um, because he threw the hammer so far away, he starts to fall, and the hammer comes back just in time to keep him from turning into a spot on the pavement, I guess. You're four. You regularly get punched in the face by monsters. I think a hundred story fall is not going to do that much, but maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It'll injure the pavement more than you. Uh, yeah.
0: Anyway, end
1: of issue uh, with Damocles
0: has this cobalt. And there's some stuff I want to say about Damocles, but we will, I will do that after we cover this next issue because okay. a lot of, we'll get to it. Uh Thor number 268 has a cover by Tony DeZuniga and Annette Kowacki. Um, Don Blake is just out in the city walking along in the rain when a cop pulls up and out of nowhere is just like, hey, are you Don Blake? (laughs) Which is, again, don't think about it. Do not think (laughs) about how in a city of millions of people this cop pulls up short and is just like, hey, are you a random doctor they wanted us to find? um but he is and he's like yes oddly enough I am and they're like they say you have a direct line to Thor the the commissioner needs to talk to him and Blake's like okay I'll do my best wink wink uh and so he goes off finds a quiet place turns into Thor and heads to police headquarters where he is led in, and you know, led in past a bunch of reporters who are just like Thor, Thor, how big is your other hammer, Thor? How do you <laughs> feel about blah blah blah, Thor? Where do you like to go eat dinner, Thor? What do you say to people who think you're a muscle bound moron, you know, and so on and so forth? Standard bullshit. Uh, he's just like, hi, thank you. I I have stuff. Bye gotta go he's led in and meets bennett barlow who is damocles brother it turns out that damocles is eric barlow and bennett proceeds to tell him about how eric is um the older brother bennett loved him but eric has slowly been overshadowed um and became resentful uh and which is what led us to this current situation uh there is there's a brief aside in which somebody is broken out of prison by a thing but whatever um Damocles starts overseeing the completion of this giant cobalt cannon and his men are just like when are we getting paid and he's like fuck you I will tell you when you get paid and he knocks them around a little bit with a big blast from his gun and they're just like okay okay and he's like I'm gonna have to watch that Yeah, whatever Uh, it's really
1: rare that we get that moment of reflection from the villain where he's like that's gonna be a problem because I cannot pay them. <laughs> like there is right. no money and there's no plan for money.
0: <laughs> right. He and this is why I think Damocles is interesting. I I will I will get to that in a minute, but uh, the in the course of his conversation with Thor. Thor says that Eric stole uh synthetic cobalt. Bennett is like, it was synthetic cobalt. That is news. And that is very bad. Um, and Thor's like, what? And he's like, synthetic cobalt is unstable. If he is using it as a weapon, it's gonna blow up and probably take a huge chunk of the city with it. Um, So Bennett Thor's like, do you know where Bennett could be? Uh, And Bennett's like, well, there's a couple places we could check. And Thor's like, cool, let's go do it. Come on. Uh, So they go. They have a run in with Damocles who starts shooting off his cobalt cannon. um, And um, Bennett is able to escape with the cobalt cannon. One of his men is like, so are we going to knock over a bank or what? And Eric's like, huh? Oh, sure. So they go to knock over a bank. Thor shows back up. Um, They try to talk Bennett down and tell him, you cannot use the gun or it will kill us all. Or the cannon. It'll kill us all. Eric's like, whatever, and goes to reach for the button, at which point Bennett's like, I have no choice. Picks up a random gun from the sidewalk or whatever. Kills Eric. The cannon uh, starts getting ready to um, explode. At which point Thor whips up a huge whirlwind to blast it off into space. And it explodes in the upper atmosphere. Um, The reason I find Damocles interesting is because... He is a character that I feel like there are um, a lot of... um, This carries with it a self-awareness on the part of the writer that does not carry over to the character. Damocles's name is interesting um because he are you okay let me ask you are you familiar with the idea of the sword of Damocles and what it actually involves
1: I thought so until you asked me that
0: <laughs> because so
1: the the sword is hanging over I don't know the full story, but the sword is hanging over the character of the story and it is strung by a thread and it's very precarious and at any moment... Like, the idea being that at any moment the sword could fall and when it does, you'll die. Something will... Violence. Um, And, like, that's the, the metaphor for a lot of, like, tenuous, stressful... Like, the Cold War could be seen, seen as the Sword of Damocles hanging over all of us. Because at any moment, if it goes poorly, you know, if the thread breaks, we're all dead.
0: Um, well, yeah, I, the, the, the specific story and the reason I bring this up is because what leads to the sword is that Damocles was a courtier in the court of this King Dionysus. And Dionysus had a lot of enemies within and without Um, because his rise to power was pretty bloody. Everybody hated Dionysus. Um, Damocles was a courtier who just saw the trappings of power. And he was just like, man, it must be really nice to be a king and to just be able to sit around with your dick out and have everybody bring you whatever you want. And Dionysus is just like, you really want to know so he's like, why don't we switch places for a day? And Damocles is like, fuck yeah. So he does. But in order to teach an object lesson, he strings the sword over the throne by the hair of a horse. Um, and Damocles, of course, realizes what this means. The whole like heavy is the head that wears the crown and blah, blah, blah. Um, it is, And so it's not just about... Things could go wrong at any moment. It is a specific statement about how people gain power and what it means after they've gained it. Mm -hmm. And that's why Damocles is interesting here. Not only because the weirdness of being um, naming yourself that. Because he does. He names himself Damocles. um, But does not have the self-awareness to know what that means. And so he's got a cannon that not only is going to explode but his own men are constantly looking for any reason to overthrow him and stuff like that and so it's it's a weird disconnect to me for a writer to be let, to make something that is this self-aware without that self-awareness ca- transferring over to the character and so in universe it makes no sense for a guy this up his own ass to They're call all... himself Damocles. Right.
1: That's all. And and that's what I was kept thinking as I was reading it. I was like, first of all, why do you name yourself that? That seems... Yeah. Um, and we never get a justification. Like, he just takes the name Damocles. We don't... or we, You know, the backstory all comes from Bennett, and we don't actually, like, learn. Yeah. I mean, except for the same thing that he felt like he it doesn't transfer one-to-one where the Damocles that you were describing only saw the trappings of power. He didn't understand the rest of it. And, like, this guy doesn't even seem to want the power in a constructive way. Like, he doesn't see... There's no example that he's feeling spurned from except for that his dad their parents loved his brother a little more like that's
0: it and his brother succeeded where he yeah. didn't um
1: but like he also is described as like directionless and sort of listful not unsuccessful like he could have just excelled at one of the jobs that he did if he would have put his head down but he doesn't do that he's just yeah i mean lazy is one, but then it's always weird to describe these supervillains as fucking lazy when you're also capable of putting your head down, getting men, and becoming a fucking supervillain with your own cobalt cannon. And I'm like, where did you have this energy? <laughs> like, where he took did the You took a self
0: help ha- course,
1: I guess. But yeah. like, where did this come? You clearly had it in you to succeed. Yeah. At any of the other things you were doing previous to this. What yeah. what? Um yeah. but then, and it kind of know, becomes that's...
0: more tragic in that regard. Not only it because it winds up destroying him, but it right. also kinda of winds up destroying his brother. Absolutely. Because now Bennett has to carry around the knowledge that while he had to kill his brother He killed his fucking brother. Like right. so And to
1: all intents and purposes, as he's explaining in the beginning of the issue, he loved his brother. Like he he was always trying to help him out. Like, and even though he succeeded or was successful in his way, uh, he wanted his brother to be successful as well. And he just wasn't. And it's like, well, and then they and not only that, that fueled
0: the the resentment because. It yeah. seems like his attempting to help his brother, Eric then took that as like, fuck you, you little prick. Like, right. you're going to rub your success in my face. I don't need your fucking hand out. Yeah. I don't know. It's, there's a it's... lot to delve into <laughs> with this that is not on the page. And it's interesting.
1: There's, there's definitely a lot there that, is enough for make to make me go. Cause who was, who wrote that? I already closed the tab. Um, uh, that,
0: that was, uh, Len Wein.
1: It's enough to make me wish I could ask him why, why is all this here? Like, yeah. cause there's enough here. Like on its surface, it's a Thor story where he punches a guy and some tragedy happens at the end. Um, but yeah, you're like, you're saying that, as I was reading it through the first time, I was like, "Why would you name like?" There's just enough there to make me go, "Like, what?" And that... Yeah, and not in a bad way. In a like, I want to pick at this a little more just to see. And so now we've done that, and I still want to ask him, "What was the direction? Why were you were you doing this on purpose, or is it just bugging me?" Like,
0: yeah, yeah. I don't know. So, surprising, surprisingly fun, like, on the surface, they're whatever, but it's fun to, like, pull these threads. And that's why I never want to, That's that's frustrating for me because this podcast goes long. I will yeah. freely admit that. But yeah. also, we have some interesting digressions, even about stupid bullshit, that I don't want to cut off. Because right. I feel like that's, we can just sit here and, you know outline what happened in the issue and that's it uh but i think the 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 stuff that we uh that we do here yeah interrogating
1: yeah interrogating how i react to the story and the characters after the arc is better right um because nobody gives a shit about these like us wandering through these or like explaining what's happening in these books because uh, go read them Right. This or is we, more about you know, our If reaction. you
0: if you don't want to read the issue, read the wiki. Like, yeah, you can you can find this shit out. But we kind of have to cover that bit just so that like there's a context for what we say. Oh, absolutely. But yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, so getting back to the point of some of this, Avengers number one seventy has a cover by George Perez, Terry Austin, and Irving Nobby written by Jim Shooter and George Perez, penciled by George Perez, inked by Pablo Marcos, colored by Jim Shooter, lettered by Gaspar Saladino and Denise Wall and edited by Archie Goodwin. Um we start having we start having we've had a couple of disappearances up to now because we had two gun kid disappear. There was a brief vignette in which Quicksilver disappeared from uh, uh, from the inhuman City, Adelan. That's the name of it. Um, and so everybody's just kind of like, well, that's weird. Um, the, uh, while this is happening, we have, uh, Thor doing whatever the fuck he's doing. And Iron Man, uh, has the inert form of Ultron's bride, who does not currently have a name. name, brought to the mansion so he can poke at it. Uh, but as they are, as these two random comic relief workmen are bringing her down to the lab, she co- she wakes up and fights her way out of the mansion. Um, the Avengers try to stop her, uh, but it's not going well uh iron man and captain america who is this is this the point at which they have their shit out it may have been they
1: at the beginning Uh, of the issue they start i don't think they finish um because beast is telling iron man or beast is telling captain like cool as fucking jets because cap's working out real hard and mm -hmm. uh uh Iron Man comes in and they basically start having the conversation. Um, and Cap is a dick because he yeah. keeps working out while Iron Man's trying to do the thing they need to do, which is
0: yeah. have it out. And Iron Man gets some of it out and yeah. Cap receives, but we don't really get an ending to that side of things just yet. Um mm-hmm. but so they then join the battle and they're like everybody stand down and everybody's going what the fuck are you talking about why mm-hmm. what she's it's what and uh so Jocasta gets away iron man is like we need to follow her because yeah. she could lead us to ultron if she's awake ultron is responsible Let's follow her to Ultron. If we destroy her, Ultron is still out there and we don't know what he's doing until he does it. Um. So then Avengers number 171 has a cover by George Perez and Terry Austin, is written by Jim Shooter and colored by Phil Rachelson. Uh, they start tracking her through um, and... Uh, in the process of this Ms. Marvel twigs to what's going on because of, you know, Danger Sense and everything. So she's like, hey, do you guys need some help? Some of them are just like, who the fuck are you? And Scarlet Witch is like, it's cool. She could be handy and she seems cool. And they're like, all right, come along. So the Bride of Ultron is picked up by a nun in a cab who takes her to a convent. They track her to this convent, at which point the same nun is just like, I'm sorry, who are you and why the fuck are you here? In a very nunny kind of way. Uh, and Beast is just like random Latin, blah, blah, blah. At which point the she's just like, well, you can come in and look around, but there's nothing to see. Um, while and- the signal Sorry. stops,
1: so it's like she's deactivated. Or, yeah, right. like the bride just deactivated. I really like this one panel where it's just Wanda looking at Thor. And they're in the convent. And uh, Thor's taking his helmet off because he's stupid respectful. And uh, he, Wanda looks Which at him. Which is a nice, like,
0: li- he, a nice little thing. I, d- I will is. say I like that tiny character detail that you're not really paying attention to. And they don't make a big deal of it right so, but she's
1: ahead. like you kind of seem uncomfortable and he's like eh, it's god stuff you know and he's she's like oh okay like it's just it's a nice little yeah what you, we don't have to do a lot with this but like what would thor think of christianity and yeah. it turns out his feelings are w- complicated and that's perfect like yeah i, I like it it's nice uh, well and
0: especially cause... since Chris it's it's complicated not only because it's a different belief system and he's kind of in a place dedicated to that, but also if you look at how Christianity drove out the worship of gods like Thor um, yeah. it adds it adds a um, a slightly adversarial, thing even if thor is not actively angry about that it's still just kind of like he'd be like Eh, okay (laughs) well he's
1: he's a little not only like uh, you know but he's also eh, okay because like um i'm a bit of a i'm a bit of an affront to these people like yeah uh, like my existence is uh difficult for them and uh that that makes me a little squeamy because i don't actually want to piss anyone off and uh, right. I like that. That's that's and it's good that it, they take two panels to do it. And I get a lot of Thor thought process in two panels. Um, yeah. Anyway, we got a we got a robot to fight.
0: Uh, but, oh. uh, Wanda is dropped. She disappears and everybody's like, what the fuck happened? But it's not what's making everybody else disappear. She gets dropped through a trap door into a weird horror of like mirrors and weird shit and she falls into some water and nearly drowns but then it uh it empties out into another place and so on and so forth they get attacked by the sister who it turns out is a robot uh but they trash her um and then they go into a room and there's ultron with uh the his bride whom he names jocasta which has its own connotations that we could probably do an entire episode on. Because, again, so the name Jocasta is from Oedipus Rex. Um, Ultron views Hank Pym as his father. He's a terrible father, he thinks, but he's his father. He creates a bride based on the... Uh, brain patterns of his father's wife. So he's marrying his mom, Oedipus. Blah. There's a lot to unpack there, Ultron buddy. (laughs) Like, fucking wow. Um, But so she turns on again, and there is... um, There's a moment where she's just like, yes, I love you. I'm slavishly devoted to you. But then she tries to uh, destroy him and he's like, "Uh, what the fuck, mom, wife? And (laughs) it turns out that while she does, she is programmed to um, love and obey him. There is also the brain patterns of uh, Jin, who which are prompting her to try and destroy him. Uh... So this is weird. And again, really, really fucked up, but... Uh... Ms. Marvel shows back up with Wanda, who is then able to use her powers because, as they're fighting Ultron earlier, Ultron says, you can't do anything to my body. It is made of adamantium. Uh... The only thing that can change my body is the molecular rearranger in my chest. Don't even bother trying to smash my face. Uh, Wanda uses her powers to cause that molecular rearranger to destroy Ultron. It It flares up. Thor absorbs that energy as it's destroying Ultron into his hammer and then releases it into the air. Um and everybody's like, whoo, thank the thank God that's over. Look, Ultron's dead again. Uh where is where is this Jocasta and where the fuck is Captain America? Blah. Uh that leads us to Avengers number 172. Uh, which is penciled by Sal Busema inked by Klaus Jansen and edited by Jim shooter uh here we have some shit get real um wherein uh Hawkeye f- returns to the mansion walks in and nobody's there um
1: he also leaves the front door open and Gyrick walks in right behind him and is like we're just leaving the door open now? I don't even yeah. have to go through a hole in the wall? Fuck this. Y'all are done. Like...
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: That was the so, story.
0: Yeah. So... Hawkeye's wandering around. Gyrick comes in and he's like, are you fucking serious? <laughs> uh. Hawkeye, unbeknownst to us, like they... This happens off panel, but Hawkeye obviously happens across Gyrick, doesn't know who the fuck he is, so he ties him up and gags in uh the avengers are like jocasta captain america what's going on oh well let's go home and try and work this out so they come back ms marvel comes with uh they find gyrick tied up and haka is like i'm back guys um and they're like oh fuck (laughs) and so they free Gyric, uh who is just like this is a fucking mess and I am done with you people and so he hands them the paperwork saying that all of their clearances all of their uh, all of their allowances for like frequencies and air travel are done um, and he's just like fuck you all I'm out Um. so they're left to deal with that while that occurs Crystal calls and she's like Quicksilver's gone and they're like okay we'll add him to the list (laughs) uh then as if that's not enough in strolls Jarvis who apparently has taken up jogging and he's just like hey so that dude Tyrak you fought the Atlantean asshole he's out there attacking the harbor and they're like okay so um he's Iron Man splits them up and he says no one be alone. Stay with your buddy. We need to keep an eye on each other. I'll be down in the lab uh, working on how to figure or on how to trace the people that have disappeared. Somebody's like, uh, won't you be alone? And he's like, I'll be on the phone to Tony Stark the entire time, which, dude, <laughs> but... uh, So he splits them up. Um, Wasp and Yellowjacket are to stay and call anyone they can thor and beast stay and you know hold down the fort there in order to they're on reserve other issues
1: yeah they're on reserve in case anything else happens because this has been a fucking day and it might um yeah and then so he sends wonder man Vision, hawkeye miss marvel and wanda to deal with the harbor thing right um and they're like okay tarak sucks but he's making a mess that's pretty much all he's doing here is just making a fucking mess they eventually take him down it's a fight it's okay um yeah is there anything that happens during the fight that's especially important to the story not really Uh,
0: well so they defeat tyrak because vision is able to use his eye beams to dehydrate Tyrak enough that he's out then they're just like well fuck what do we do with him we can't we have no way (laughs) because we have all of this stuff revoked we can't really do anything to prevent him from dying before he's we're able to get him anywhere what do we do so they're just like shit I don't know throw him back and hope for the best so they take him and they chuck his ass out into the middle (laughs) of the water which I really like because they're just like I don't know. Let the pollution in the Hudson deal with him. I. <laughs> what do you want? Yeah, and so I, they, I
1: it's just such a great moment that they're like, we can't contact Namor because that's who we should contact. We can't put him in a semi-arid cell that would keep him in, under control because we don't have contact with any of those people anymore because we've been removed from that. And then... Just Wonder Man being like, "Well, we gotta do something. They can't let him die," and just hooks him, yeah, like a fish, directly yeah. into the, like the Mid Atlantic, and he's like, "There, somebody else is. Pro- That's a problem for future us. Hooray!"
0: Yeah. Uh, what I do like is that there are a few moments with Wonder Man and Ms. Marvel, yeah, wherein Wonder Man like notices Ms. Marvel hardcore. He's just yeah. like, "Yeah." But also, he's a misogynistic prick in that, like, he's, uh, yeah. uh, he notes, he notes the way that she launches herself into battle, quote, like a man would. Uh And he kind of, he kind of, in a misguided attempt at chivalry, gets in between her and Tyrak as she's about to punch Tyrak and she's just kind of like, dude. Um, At the end of it, she gets ready to take off and she's like, look, I clocked you, bro. You need to learn how to deal with a woman like me. But don't get me wrong. I'm digging it. Like, I'm digging your whole thing. Just. (laughs) It's the 70s.
1: (laughs) You might you might be worth educating. I'll keep an eye on you. And she's off, which is so good.
0: Yeah. So the Avengers, Sans Quinjet, and everything else are just like, well, let's hoof it. Uh so they head home. Uh we get we get an update on everything that's happened on the home front. Uh but what it amounts to is Yellow Jacket and Wasp get in contact with a couple of reserve members including Hercules and the Whizzer and Black Panther. Captain Marvel, because of his cosmic awareness, called them and is just like, hey, I know what's going on. I'll meet up with you guys. I'm on board. And they're like, weird, but okay. Um, Thor and Beast have both taken off by themselves, which we will get into in these next couple issues. Uh, And then the last thing is we see... We get a brief vignette of whoever it is that's taking people, uh, as they're just like, hmm, yes, okay. And we see the other, the captured ca- people in tubes and whatever. Okay,
1: wait a minute. When did, oh, yeah, vision got taken right as they were splitting up, right after oh, Miss yeah. Marvel left. Uh, vision popped out of existence, right. uh, so because I was looking in like the only one that they don't know about that's taken. Well, there's one hidden behind a screen, but then Moon Dragon's there in the center as well. Yeah. Um, so, yay! But again, we have to take a pause and go do something else.
0: Yeah. Um I what I, what I will say as far as this run of Avengers is I like that we're slow rolling, Korvac to a certain extent. We did, we didn't mention. There's a brief vignette of the Guardians just hanging out in this house oh, yeah. across the street from Van Astro. and Charlie Twenty Seven has to rescue Van Zastro from being hit by a truck because he's playing in the street like a goddamn moron, um, and uh, stuff like that. And they're just kind of like. We just need to hang out and wait. And they're like, isn't there something we could be doing? At which point Starhawk is just like, no, this is what we're supposed to be doing. This is important. Trust me. I know. Whatever. Um, At
1: which point they all look at him and are like, yeah, yeah,
0: you're the one who knows. But yeah, I.
1: (sighs) Overall. I feel like
0: we took a few breaks from Korvac that didn't need to be taken, but whatever. Sorry.
1: I wonder, yeah, like, it sort of feels like we don't... I don't know that I need to do this right now, but... Okay, whatever, go. I, I like the fact that there's... Like, the Tarak fight is clearly a distraction, right? Right. By whatever else is going on. And I, I don't mind that I know that immediately, yeah. right? It's just yeah. like... But I also like the part that the Tarak fight gives them a chance... Yes, they're trying to regroup after uh, fighting the thing before, and Guyric showed up and just blew up their spot. But at the same time, like the Tarak fight gives them an opportunity to, for Iron Man specifically, to be like, "Okay, I have to do leader things now." And yeah. Cap goes, Cap not only goes along with it, but he also like encourages it, and it's it's good times. I like that. Yeah yeah oh wait cap was gone by that point but iron because cap's gone no there's nobody there to fight him on it either which is good
0: yeah so uh that brings us <clears throat> to marvel team up number 69 which has a cover by dave cockram written by clarice claremont penciled by john byrne inked by ricardo Villamonte. Colored by Mary Titus, lettered by John Costanza, and edited by Archie Goodwin. Havoc and Polaris are walking along the shore on Muir Muir Island. Uh, Not even the... walking along the cliffs of Muir Island. Um, When they are attacked by dudes wearing shitty pharaoh costumes. And Alex is like, oh god, not this shit again. (laughs) Uh, They try to fight... But Alex is captured via weird power dampening Bolo and Lorna is knocked into the ocean. Havoc tries to uh, to um, negotiate with the underlings and he's just like, look, just save her. I won't fight you. Uh, Just please save her from dying. And they're like, you're not going to fight us anyway. You're kind of not in a position to to um to negotiate here. Besides which, why do we care if she dies? Just yeah. shut up and lay there. And so we do see Lorna's hand reaching for a rock, so we know she's okay. Um, but whatever. Uh as that is happening, uh Peter Parker is in the lab at ESU at 2 a.m. And uh, as he's getting ready to pack it in, he sees a light on in one of the professor's offices and looks in and there's dudes in Pharaoh costumes ransacking the place looking for a thing. So he webs up the door uh, and he's like, "Okay, cool. Uh, Then he goes and changes into Spider-Man, but they don't come out the door and he realizes it's because they've got like a hovercraft outside the window and he's like, well shit and tries to break in through the door, gets hung up in his own webbing and the guys escape, but not before Spider-Man is able to toss a tracker onto their um, hovercraft. Lorna having managed to pull herself out of the sea uh, gets into the Muir Island research center calls uh anyone she can get a hold of but the x-men are busy so she calls the avengers mansion gets hold of beast which is why beast uh fucks off he grabs a quinjet even though he's not allowed to now because they've lost their air clearance um and thor's just like well it must be a matter of life and death i'm sure he had his reasons so spider-man follows the tracker um loses it but manages to see an ambulance being driven by two of these weirdly dressed assholes um follows it they unload havoc um and spider-man frees him they have a fight against these dipshits but it is then interrupted by the living pharaoh and the li- the living Pharaoh, his relationship with havoc is interesting. Um, I don't, were you, were you on the show when we read like X-Men 55? I don't know whether you were or not.
1: I may have been, uh, because I remember, I think I came into the middle of that story Hmm. um, where the very end of the living monolith and I didn't know what the hell was going on. I think I came in in the middle.
0: Right. Well, what's interesting about the living Pharaoh is that this is a guy who is in a weird symbiotic relationship with Alex Summers Um, much, much later around the year 90, 1999, we find out why that's the case. But for a long time it's just this weird, interesting symbiotic relationship where Alex Summers and this random asshole share power. They they both absorb um, the the cosmic energy but it's it's not an even tr- it's not it's not one of those things it's a it's a zero-sum game for them you know there's not as far as the living pharaoh is concerned there's not enough to go around much later we find out that that's because sinister experimented on him and tied his powers to alex summers at the time that that happened alex summers was a kid and had not yet manifested his powers. So the living the living Pharaoh got all of it. Yeah. Um, and then once Alex Summers became Havoc. They were both vying basically for the same energy. And that's why the living Pharaoh tries to abduct Alex and kill him or store him or it, de- it depends on the day. Um, <laughs> but that way he doesn't have to share the power. That is what's I, happening here. <laughs> I,
1: I love that our retcon for this was Sinister did some weird shit and then fucked off, like that was the well, whole thing. Because that's Sinister's ammo.
0: That was that was the short version. I mean, Sinister did it oh, th- at the behest of Apocalypse. Yeah. Um. So it's not like Sinister was just <laughs> fucking around. <laughs> like he did it because he was told to. By apocalypse, but anyway, whatever. Uh, the the upshot of all of this is, in the course of the fight, one of the minions is able to slip an onk onto Alex, which causes him to become paralyzed. They put a try to put him in a um, a weird high tech sarcophagus, basically. Uh, spider-man manages to stop them but in the process n- closes the lid which causes the living pharaoh to become the living monolith and spider-man's like ah dang Ah, uh, living monolith grabs hold of spider-man and blasts up through the roof growing in size until he's enormous so that brings us to uh Marvel team up number 70, which has a cover by John Byrne and Tom Palmer and is inked by Tony DeZunica colored by Phil Rachelson lettered by Annette Kowecki and edited by Jim Shooter. Now we find out why Thor left, which is because of the living monolith. Um, they attempt to, uh, to fight the monolith. Spider-Man again is kind of just like, this is way above my pay grade. Um, It's kind of frustrating how long Spider-Man takes to work out what he needs to do because he and Thor are trying to fight the monolith. And it's like, dude, you, you've seen how he became the monolith. You know what needs to be done. And eventually he twigs to that, but it takes a frustrating amount of time. Like I understand why narratively, like, we yeah. need we need a fight yeah. but from a from a practical standpoint it's just like go go get havoc take havoc out of the thing living monolith no be monolith no more <laughs> like uh the one thing i will say i do like that thor in the course of things um is just like like The monolith is just like, I'm a living Egyptian god. And Thor is kind of like, I've met the Egyptian gods. I know the Egyptian gods. You, sir, are no Egyptian god. And the living monolith is just like, well, that was unnecessary. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: You don't have to be a dick about it. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Right. Uh, The living monolith, like Spider-Man tries to go and free havoc the living monolith taunts him a bit and is just like, huh, here's the thing. If you try to uh, free havoc, I've booby-trapped the um, the tube. <laughs> and if you I try to open tra- it, it will kill him. Yeah. Uh, I li- This is something I like that they do with Spider-Man occasionally. Yeah. And I wish they did it more. Mm-hmm. Is he uses his... Spider-Sense to uh, figure out how to deactivate the booby trap. Um, Wish he'd do that more. But uh, as he is doing this, the living monolith is fighting Thor out in the harbor. (laughs) And when Spider-Man frees Alex and takes the onk off, the living monolith becomes the living Pharaoh again and immediately shrinks back down into size and is lost (laughs) in the Harbor. Um, At that point, everybody's just like, Oh, thank God this is over. Uh, And Havoc's just like, Oh shit, Polaris. (laughs) Um, And so Thor takes Havoc. He's like, listen, I'm buddies with Tony Stark We'll deal with it. Um, And so he's like, he tells him by nightfall, you will be back uh, in Scotland. Don't even worry about it. So he takes havoc uh, and Spider-Man is just like, bye. And they're like, (laughs) see you later. Um, What's interesting about this is, so this whole thing, Beast finds out about this, but because because he's not aware of what is going on with the living pharaoh or where he specifically is beast goes and finds the x-men and he's there with the x-men for a bit um he'll eventually return to the avengers but uh he's with them for a hot minute um which is kind of a weird thing to just be like, oh, shit, Beast has to leave. Um, and then he doesn't even factor into all of this. Um, but, yeah, you that's know.
1: what I was thinking was like, oh, he has to... He'll come back after this team up, and then, no,
0: he doesn't. Nope. Which is weird. So, they're, not, they're not terrible issues, but... I, the only the only thing that I find interesting is the living pharaoh monolith dude himself. And that's yeah. just because the premise of a symbiotic mutant uh power dynamic binary, I guess. Yeah. Um is interesting. It it winds uh like if you think about it too far you wind up getting into rise of skywalker territory right. um but it it is it is interesting as like a concept in and of itself the ultimate execution of it is kind of whatever but i like the idea of this finite repository while the energy itself is not necessarily finite the amount of access they have is yeah. and that in and of itself is interesting so that's all I have
1: I thought it was fine uh, as far as team up goes I I always team up is the one where I'm it'll either surprise me or it'll hit right about medium and I'm like eh kind of what I thought yeah. uh, the, the art was really fucking great though
0: yeah so yeah top five right. top five the watcher's guides top five
1: top five top five top five all right so from me number five all four other senses danny (laughs) taste (laughs) Uh, Ah. number four is uh loki being defiant in the face of his trial And being like, you know what? Fuck you. You are, like you said, you're a dinosaur. Thor should never be in charge and will never be worthy of that throne. It should be me and you know it. Um, And him being like, I'd rather renounce my entire immortality. And then Odin going, great idea. Pop. Yeah. Um, Number three is Carol taking the initiative to stay in the fight, meaning when she's she's got enough time to either turn tail and run and make it to the surface or die and or beat Tiger Shark and definitely die and she makes the choice like that's a very Carol Danvers way later kind of choice that's awesome Uh, Mm -hmm. number two the pages of Starhawk and Michael Korvac fucking going out, right? Like, yeah. them just, how powerful they both are. And it's also cool that narratively, like, I know that that's Korvac, but it's never told to me. So that, because he only ever calls himself Michael at first. yeah And uh, so the fact that, holy shit, Korvac is so much more powerful than he was the last time we saw him. Um, and also, Starhawk is a lot more powerful than I thought he was. So that, yeah. both, the art's great, uh, the the paneling is fantastic. Uh, those those couple of pages are beautiful. Um, and then, number one, I'm actually going to go with a curveball just because it tells me a lot about Thor in two fucking panels, which is Thor being kind of uncomfortable in the in the monastery. Yeah. I just love that goddamn moment. And uh I like Avengers hums when those little moments about our characters that aren't like integral to the story get really really tight poignant things about who they are. And that was yeah. such a throwaway thing that could have meant nothing and really had no bearing on the story. But it gives me s- things to think about with Thor specifically that I haven't thought of before. Um, and that's really neat. Um, so I enjoyed and the shit out of that. Uh, that's my number one.
0: And that, that's that's how ensemble books should be. Mm -hmm. Not everything has to be big bombastic character revelations. Not everything has to be people shouting their emotions at all times. There's the small moments that are just a panel or two that you don't dwell on uh, a lot of times when reading things. But when you go back and like actually think about them, you're just kind of like, huh. You know? Yeah. And, And that's what I think, like you said, Avengers hums at moments like that and i think that's true of most ensemble books you know when you can't not everybody can have be the center of the issue at all times and especially at a time where cap and iron man are butting heads and so that's kind of where our focus is at but in the background you also have wonder man kind of saying to people in this to the side hey um, you ever worry about dying? Yeah. And then Thor like taking off his helmet and yeah, you know, stuff and like that's that. That's the it other just thing that's work. really
1: rad in that moment is because he takes off his helmet which is such a throwaway, right? But like, of course he fucking would. Because yeah. he's not trying to step on any toes here and even when he tells he spells it out for uh Scarlet Witch that I... You know, these people might see me as an affront to their entire, like, worldview. Yeah. I'm not trying to step on any toes here. I just right. want, to, want to do the thing, and then we'll all leave, and everybody's fine. Um, but, like, it's just so good. I don't know. Yeah. And, like, maybe, maybe that's way more why I put it as number one, is, like, not that specific thing, although I thought it was really cool. But, like, those moments are what make ensemble books work when there's too many goddamn characters right like we're gonna get really good shit happening in x-men soon and x-men at this point is just the right amount of people to have um a bunch of like maybe a little bit of everybody gets to be kind of the focus of x-men at the moment But that is not true later. (laughs) So it's good to know that they're like they're cutting their teeth in Avengers to know how to do that, right? Like keep me invested in Thor, keep me invested in Scarlet Witch, like because this is not a Scarlet Witch book. But she again, like another emblematic thing is like her being the one that at least twice has to break people up to be the adult in the fucking room, like that kind of thing is good and rad okay done
0: yeah and well and one, one other thing that i will say i think this is something that gets kind of left out of thor's character a lot um because thor is always written as very bombastic and very like i am who i am and everybody else kind of needs to get used to that but thor is a very complex character and the, the reason that i've gotten into thor in doing this is because So many of the expectations I had for the character have been subverted by the fact he's what he needs to be in the moment in terms of he doesn't shy away from battle if it's necessary. He is not not afraid to be who he is. And he has a very regal and occasionally arrogant bearing in terms of I'm fucking Thor, dude. But also... He is contemplative; He is someone who does not go looking for fights, and that's why that's one of the reasons I really like this little moment is he could just stomp into that convent and be like, "Huh, God jesus <laughs> your your virgin woman, please, I am the mighty Thor, God damn it, yeah,
1: and but he doesn't. He's he, but like that's the thing that's always been a, like you were saying the the subverting a thing. He's this Thor that since I've been reading is extremely respectful, like yeah. of other people. Like even re- like one of his best friends, best friends, one of the people that he's has a relationship with is a recorder for a
0: civilization that tried to murder him,
1: and he's still yeah. cool like.
0: He hangs out with Hercules and he's not, he's like, they fought when they were younger, but he's at the point now where he's just like, yeah, me and Hercules, chill. I yeah. know the Egyptian gods, whatever. Yeah. I, I, I'm i not bros I think... with the
1: Egyptians because they're sort of, they're really tough, but like, they're complicated people. Uh, but yeah. like, Hercules is easy. Let's just, put, yeah. I just bro with Hercules. That's it. <laughs>
0: When I think not only not only is it respectful, but there's yeah. also a confidence to it. Thor oh, doesn't okay. need to stomp into the convent and be like, I'm the mighty Thor and your religion is bullshit. No. Not only because he knows everything's true, like all yeah. of it, like yeah. whatever, who cares? But also he is self-assured enough to yeah. not have to be, you know, he can walk into a convent helmet in hand and just be like, this is a place of worship. Yeah. It's not my place of worship. Yeah. But you do you. Right. I don't need to I don't need to convince you of who I am or am not. Yeah. I'm Thor. I am who I am. So Yeah. God. Fuck yeah. I cannot believe how
1: much I like Thor. <laughs> if you would have right? told me that, if you would have told me that before. The 2008 run that Straczynski was on, I would have told you that you were insane. I would have yeah. been like, "No, Thor is big and dumb, and just everything we read, it's always like,
0: where did I get that impression from? What is wrong?" Well, anyway, it is, it is, it is the way he's often because again, we we. Whenever whenever Thor is introduced, reintroduced, taken back to basics, that maturation from bullheaded Dick who gets kicked out of Asgard right. to a an older, more contemplative Thor is fundamental to the character. Right. And we have to keep revisiting that because that's the way it is um but it's it's something that it's something that comes up a lot and it is very easy for people's first exposure to Thor to be that like in the MCU when they introduce him and he's just kind of like bullheaded and throwing down glasses and stuff like that um this Thor has grown beyond that This Thor doesn't need to do shit like that. He can hang with the bros. He can hang with the Norse and just be like, wench, another mead or whatever. But But that's the performance.
1: Yeah. Like at that point, he's being Thor, right? For his bros. Like he isn't actually, he has matured. Like that's neat as hell that the... When he's the brash loud Thor that's breaking shit and calling for more mead and all of that. That's because that's kind of what they expect out of him. It's it's yeah. really cool that anytime that's half the reason he wants to go back to Earth at the beginning of his run here is because he's just tired of being Thor, air quotes. Right. And he wants to go hang out with people that don't expect that much that kind of thing from him. That's yeah. I mean, there's also Blake in the back of his head being like, hey, man, I haven't been alive for a while. I kind of <laughs> like to breathe. Uh, but, yeah. Anyway.
0: Yeah. No, I, I agree. Um, what you got? So my top my type five, I had a really hard time this week because there was a lot I really liked. Like a lot that I really fucking liked. Yeah. Um. And, you know, it's it's hard because I liked Wonder Man. Uh, I like Yeah, yeah, I whatever. Number five. uh, I liked what we did with Ms. Marvel this week. Um, She's beginning her association with the Avengers because I know she joins pretty soon after this officially. Um, So I like I like her uh, buddying up with them. I kind of like her I kind of like her flirting with Wonder Man there at the end and just being like look I dig you you're attractive we're going to have to change some of those attitudes yeah. um we'll see where the, we'll see what happens well and then knowing
1: um, that in the future before she becomes Captain Marvel like he's one of her biggest proponents like yeah. he's one of her Best friends and one of her biggest encouragers. Like when she's down, after, after Thunderbird, before she goes becomes Captain Marvel, she's Miss Marvel again. Uh, Warbird, sorry, yeah, and then like trying to figure out her whole deal, and like the first person she calls is Simon, and like that's knowing that that's coming is real rad. Okay, sorry.
0: Yeah, she's she's beginning to build her. Uh, Superhero support network, because, yeah, like when when she disappears into the bottle, then she and Tony can help support each other on that. You know, she and Simon develop a really good relationship. Uh, You know, she'll develop other relationships with other characters who have not been introduced yet. But we're beginning to see her starting to reach out into the superhero community and develop relationships. But also we're seeing her as more than just Kree smash fighty fighty. Mm -hmm. We're seeing the Kree side also lend itself to thinking through not only how to fight, but how to win beyond just punching something into the ground. Right, um, and that's really great. Number four, like I said, I like I like what's going on with Wonder Man. I like I like that it's really hard to get into it in the pages of Avengers because there are so many other things going on. I wish, as I said, that Wonder Man had his own book to get into some of this stuff. At this point in time, by the time they start doing Wonder Man books. He's kind of past this stuff and that sucks. Mm-hmm. But it is what it is. Uh, number three is Loki. Mm-hmm. Like we talked about just being like you know what? Fuck you. Yeah I did it and I hate you all. Um, number two is Star Starhawk and Korvac fighting on every level of reality. And the fact that Karina's there, like they're they're having this battle in the house, and Karina's just in the other room. She's just doing her thing. Uh, She is, I don't know, is she unaware of what's going on, or is she just like, oh, well, he's doing his thing. Okay, I'll get back to my book. Um, Yeah,
1: I was under the impression that she's completely his like under his yeah. sway yeah
0: yeah and so i i imagine that at best she's just in the other room doing something yeah you know New whatever work. that may be <laughs> at worst yeah <laughs> kind of has her in sleep mode <laughs> like yeah she's exactly. in the other room just like zombied out just Scary happy little. thoughts about Korvac. um <laughs> And number 1 is where we're at with Power Man and Iron Fist. Uh oh. their 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 personal journeys coinciding. Yes. And that is that is something I really dig. That is something I hope leads to um leads to interesting uh character work as they both are finally kind of putting the past behind them. You know, we got yes. into that somewhat, but also like Iron Fist, not only is he adjusting to the he, the the outside world from Kunlun, he is also he's dealt with Davos Joy Meacham is now ostensibly dealt with yeah um and so he's starting to put a lot of shit behind him, even as Luke Cage is putting all his shit ostensibly there's never gonna be that's never gonna be gone right you know it is part of who they are, but they're both on a new page at the beginning of a new chapter and right. that's really cool. yeah. So uh next week. We have we have some more Avengers, and then we have some X Men and Ms. Marvel. Um, hey! And when I say when I say X Men, I don't just mean a single issue of X Men in the middle of what we're doing. Uh, half of next week basically is cool. X Men. Um So excited for that! Uh, plus, we get some more maybe Corvax stuff, depending on how slow rolling we're doing this. Um, so yeah, uh, in the meantime, like us on Facebook, follow us both individually and at Watchers Guide MU. Um, I say, I always say individually and at Watchers Guide MU. Our uh Twitter handles are also on the bio for Watchers Guide's Twitter account, so you can find us through there if you're so inclined. Um, rate and review the show email us at WatchersGuide@gmail.com or visit our website at WatchersGuide. or sorry email us at WatchersGuide@gmail.com and visit our website at watchersguide.com have a marvelous week bye